In today's episode of Backpacker Radio, presented by The Trek, we are joined by no one. Today's episode is all about the Tahoe Rim Trail and my recent experience through hiking this trail. This one covers everything you'd want to know about hiking the TRT, including the trail's basics, my experience and advice for resupply, gear, pacing, permits, bear storage, the best time to hike this trail, bugs, dealing with snow, navigation, funny stories, cell service, worst chafes and best poops, and of course, much more. We wrap the show with a very weird and impromptu segment, Healing Your Holes with Badger and Chance. We touch on the sad news of a hiker who recently passed in the White Mountain National Forest. We get a ridiculous poop story from our pal, Paul Packman Seeley, and Backpacker Radio sponsorship winner MG gives us her first update from the AT. But first... Zach and I are both big fans of Gossamer Gear, manufacturers of lightweight backpacking gear and accessories. Their packs carry comfortably, their roomy shelters protect in harsh weather conditions, and the trekking poles are some of the lightest on the planet. Gossamer Gear is changing the perception of delicate ultralight gear. Zach and I are both users of Gossamer Gear's packs and shelters. Zach has used the Gorilla, their 40-liter pack, for more than 3,000 miles of backpacking, including his PCT thru-hike in 2017, Drink. He's a big proponent of their Gossamer Gear Light Flex Hiking Umbrella, which he used on the PCT on the Trans-Catalina Trail, and which he wished he had brought on many of his other hikes. I used Gossamer Gear's The One Shelter and have also used The Two Shelter, which for someone who's five foot one, feels like a palace. Good news, listeners of Backpacker Radio can score an exclusive deal on Gossamer Gear products. Use discount code LITTLEDONKEYGIRL for 15% off your cart at gossamergear.com. Again, that's Little Donkey Girl, all one word, at gossamergear.com. Don't sleep on this, as the deal is only valid for a limited time. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offer plant-based nutrition with high-quality ingredients. You've heard myself and The Real Hiking Viking talk about the importance of using a green superfood powder during our 100-day thru-hike of the PCT. Organifi chooses the highest quality plant-based ingredients for optimal health with each blend using organic ingredients aimed at helping you feel and perform your best. The Organifi Green Juice includes 11 superfoods to serve as backpacking nutritional insurance while you're on the trail because carrying vegetables on trail is somewhere at the intersection of rare and batshit crazy. Some of the ingredients in the green juice include moringa, ashwagandha, which is a supplement I love and use regularly to manage stress, chlorella, spirulina, and wheatgrass, just to name a few. In addition to the green powder, Organifi offers a slew of other healthy drink powders, including the red juice with beets, berries, and cordyceps, the Organifi Gold, which includes reishi mushroom, turmeric, and ginger, and Organifi Pure, which contains Neurofactor, Lion's Mane, and Baobab. The best part of all of these products is that they're perfect for backpacking, coming in individual single serving size packets that do not require refrigeration. Just rip it open, pour the packet into your water, shake, and feel amazing. It's that simple. Organifi's green juice and pure have been staples every morning for me during my travels and acts as nutritional insurance when I'm otherwise eating like a raccoon. And it's especially important when I'm exerting myself day in and day out. Discount time. Backpacker Radio listeners, go to Organifi.com backpacker to receive 20% off your order. 
That's Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash backpacker and use code backpacker at checkout for 20% off your purchase. Welcome to Backpacker Radio, presented by The Trek. I'm your co-host, Zach Badger-Davis. Sitting to my right is... Hi, I'm Juliana Chauncey, a.k.a. Chauncey. Question of the day. This is another Chauncey creation. Do you want to take it? I wouldn't say creation, more as I would say rip-off. Um, definitely did not create, but did rip-off. Um, would you rather have a elephant's nose or a giraffe's neck? <clears throat> can you, is it technically... Can you even call it a nose? I just feel like it has so much function that... It, it, you have to give it the proper. Would you rather have an elephant's trunk? Yeah. Or a giraffe's. There we go. Neck. There we go. Because trunks, they've got like fingers. They grab shit, and they have so much function. Uh, neck, you could see attacks coming from a mile away. Yeah, but if I were to like, let's say you weren't in the room, and I were to say to someone, Zach's got a trunk, they would think I was saying that like you've got a booty. I do have a booty, so you technically be right. Is that what you're going with? Double trunk in it? Yeah, so I'm going to go double trunk. Uh, I think I would go... Probably should have thought about this. I'm going to go elephant trunk, mostly just because I really like elephants. Maybe okay. not necessarily for the specific function of it. You think Jenna would like an elephant trunk more than a neck of a giraffe? Well, it would make uh, the, our bedroom situation difficult. We definitely have to like drill a hole through the wall for me to be able to get my head like the ceiling's not tall enough for it the bed's not long enough unless i was a baby giraffe maybe that could work you could curve around her like one of those maternity like Mm. hugging pillows yep yep she definitely survived on that pillow for a good period of time um still going trunk okay um i'm also trunk uh specifically because this is a loophole to my answer of neither um because you can get a nose job but you can't get a neck job wait you would get rid of it yeah immediately oh it's so cool though i know but i just like don't see things going very favorably for me after that i think i would just like be a pariah i mean you'd have so many cool functions think about all the peanuts that you could just snag off the ground at like five guys it's true I mean, that we do have to consider the pros. Yeah. That would be a big one on that list. Um, finding a husband would probably be hard. Well, you're already in a relationship, so. Yes, true. Um, I don't know if he would find that very attractive, though. You think that would be a deal breaker? I, if, this, if the roles were reversed. Yeah, would you dump your boyfriend if he had an elephant's trunk? <laughs> I shouldn't you're in a bad space right now. I shouldn't right have started now. that sentence. Thank God he doesn't listen. Um, <laughs> so we know the answer to that question. No, I, I just... I, Probably wouldn't be as attracted to him anymore. Um, Think of the things sexually I, he could accomplish with that thing. Like what? I don't know. He's got to get creative. Um, well, as someone who would have the trunk, yeah. what would you do sexually with it? Well, first of all, my wife has different pieces than I imagine your boyfriend. Well, no, but, oh, yeah, I guess I would have the trunk, wouldn't I? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that would be different. I'll have to ponder that. Um, no, I still think I would get rid of it immediately. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. I but, didn't realize there were outs on this one, but 
You don't think they could do some sort of neck operation? I feel like today's medical science is pretty good. I just feel like it'd be a little more risky. Like if you it fuck up your neck, you're paralyzed. It is basically decapitating someone and then just like shrinking it down. But Yeah. But I mean, at that point, a trunk is really big too. So that would probably be like half of my face gone. Maybe I'd have to just accept it. Yeah, I think you got to live with this one. All right. Well, then uh, we're both trunky, trunky gals and guys. Nice. Reminders. Nope. Don't have anything. Uh, let's get straight to the chat about me. It's oh all God, about me. Zach time. Uh, Zach time. Zach time. So I did it. I hiked the trail. Yes. I didn't fail. didn't get canceled. I am a little disappointed. I could sense you were rooting <laughs> against me, but that's okay. I, I, li- I liked your photos. I'm, I definitely... Uh, I. I am fueled by the anger of my haters. See, so that's why I did it. It was actually out of a hidden support because mm. I knew you needed every little advantage you could get. Yeah. Like my... Um, Without your hazing, there's longing. no chance yeah, exactly. I was going to finish yep. this. That's what I thought. I mean, yeah. you're welcome. Um, so how was it? Uh, trail was good. Should we start off with the basics of this before yes, we get into the good. nitty gritty? What is the TRT? Okay, TRT is testosterone replacement therapy. No. Uh, that came I'll, to you fast. That's an actual thing. It's, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I have looked into it. It looks pretty. It's basically just like medical steroids. It looks pretty sweet, but uh, I'm not there yet. Anyways, maybe one so of the like, TRT. No, like when I'm 45, I'll probably go on testosterone replacement therapy. Just get jacked for no reason. Is that what it'll do to you? Yeah, I mean, it's steroids essentially. Oh, it's not like Viagra. No, 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 no. That's Viagra is just like a pill that you take that. Uh, increases blood trunk. flow yeah exactly <laughs> exactly that sounds like fun too though maybe combine the two uh so the tahoe rim trail yes. is a trail that circumnavigates lake tahoe on the crest through the carson mountains and the sierra nevada uh it does overlap some of the pct it's let's am i just gonna go down the list here sure we'll do the miles so i've read a lot of different things i'm just gonna use far out formerly known as Gut Hook. Uh, the mileage on that app, which is what I used for the entire hike, is 174.1. So a little bit extra compared to some of the things that you'll read online. I think I read 165, 171. It's kind of all over the map. See, in here, I thought it was 180. I mean, there's probably routes there where you could be around that. Um, and to that point, I took an alternate toward the end, which might have shaved off somewhere around a half mile. So, you know. Definitely, uh, it could be different. Definitely. Wait, so you're saying you didn't through-hike it? Well, it took the old TRT route, so technically I through-hiked it in the past. Oh, nice. Yeah. Time travel. Yeah. Okay. Um, which way did you go, left or right? I went clockwise, starting at Tahoe Meadows, um, which is, let's see, that's probably the 2 o'clock, if you're looking at it like a clock, somewhere in that range. Um was originally going to start at Brockway because logistically that just made the most sense for my specific situation. I had uh, Jenna and Leo were coming to town afterward. We were staying in the town that was closest to that. However, that part uh, going clockwise was the snowiest section of the entire trail. So I started just after that to allow the snow to melt out in extra seven days or so. So did you start in Nevada? Yep. Uh Aha, okay. So it goes through two states. Goes through two states. It's yeah, basically slices right down the middle. Lake Tahoe is uh, bisected by Nevada and California, 
and um, maybe we'll get into this in more specifics, but in the border towns of Nevada, there's always a casino. Like mm-hmm. the second that you get into Nevada, they're just hitting you with craps and roulette and all that fun stuff. Um, uh, elevation? According to Gut Hook, it is just shy of 28,000. Uh, I think that was like 360 feet per mile, something like that. 321 feet per mile. Um, I don't know how that stacks up relative to other trails, but I can tell you that the trail felt pretty easy. How many miles were you doing a day? So I did it in seven days in about two hours. Started at 10 a.m., finished at noon on a Friday, both days. Uh, so it works out to be a hair over 24 miles per day. Um, if you guys listen to the episodes leading up to this podcast, you are already familiar with the fact that I was concerned with my fitness going into this trail and was honestly shocked with how well my body responded. I think some of it is due to the fact that I actually took training serious for about two or three weeks. And some of it is just muscle memory. Like I've done this a lot and my body probably is just holding on to some of the long distance things. Probably like the excitement of being out there too. Yeah. But like I finished the trail and I was expecting to be all hobbled up for a couple of days and I felt fine. Like I honestly felt like I could have kept hiking. I could have gone for a run. Like I really wasn't put back at all. Did you ever check how much your elevation gain was like per day? I think my biggest day was probably 45, 4,800. I did track everything on Strava. I think I missed a couple of miles because my watch pooped out. Um, And one of the days I hiked in perpetual rain. And for whatever reason, every time I would check my watch, it was like had canceled my activity. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but according to Strava, I think I got like 4,500. I got over 4,000 a couple of times if memory serves. It seems, this is probably obvious, but it seems like it's, pretty you know pretty similar to the PCT because on the PCT we were doing like 26 to 28 mile days and we would figure out which one we would lean more towards based on what would put us between 4000 and 5000 feet of elevation gain yeah and i would say a lot of the days the pacing was more so dictated by the amount of snow that you'd see relative to the elevation because nowhere in the trail was it that steep like there were times where i thought the climbs were easier than some of the more flat sections like i like climbing assuming it's a low grade climb like i feel like i can sustain that for a long time yeah i think that's one of the things that's always shocking is you love downhills until you start through hiking and then all of a sudden you like would rather climb uphill which to someone who doesn't hike to very, that extent, is very confusing to yeah, try to explain. Certainly counterintuitive. Um, but, yeah, especially steep downhills really suck. That's b- bad on the knees. Well, neat. Did you need a bear can? Uh, need a bear can? No. Um, I did not use a bear can. And this is something that I actually brought my bear can with to where I was staying. Uh, so I had a good friend that lives outside of Reno and I brought it with because it was kind of a game time decision on what I wanted to do at the last minute. I decided not to do it. Um, mostly because the stretch where you're most likely to encounter bears is through the desolation wilderness, which actually, I don't know if you did that section, but like right, probably 80 miles North of Kennedy Meadows, North Sonora pass. Yeah. I did that on the JMT, not Uh on the, that was when I flipped on the PCT, but when I went to the JMT, that's where we started. Like Aloha Lake? Um, where we started at Sonora Pass. Got it. Okay. So then you didn't do uh, Desolations North of there. Um, but yeah, it, it is. that's a cool, very cool section of the trail. Like a lot of people regard that as the highlight, uh, but it's also the most 
dense bear section because people go there so often and camp and people are generally not very good at doing food stuff in large quantities. So that's where the bears are. That's where the problems are. But uh, we started the day at Desolation and essentially hiked through. We had, I think, two miles to the border. But like at that point, there's nothing that that's big of a highlight. So we were away from where people normally camp. Uh, we camped way far off the trail. And, um, you know, having done that stretch of trail, I didn't see bears and it just didn't seem like a concern of mine. Uh, I did take, uh, the Lopsack, Opsack, the bear or the smell proof giant Ziploc bag. So I'm assuming that helped, but yeah, they had no issues not bringing bear canister. Um, I did gather from the TRT Facebook group that apparently they're talking about making bear cans required pretty soon. Uh, I've also heard that that's been a rumor for many years, so I don't know, maybe someone's just planting that to encourage people to take bear cans. I'm not quite sure, but yeah, I just did the thing that I did during my PCT hike and was very strict about not eating near my tent at night and getting off trail and not camping in places where other people had camped and, uh, had no bear issues whatsoever. I will say my buddy had his, uh, the straps on his trekking pole chewed off. <laughs> Oh, by deer? I think it was probably some rodent. Nice. I, I remember there was a time in Northern California that deer literally scared the crap out of me. I thought someone was outside of my tent, and I looked out, and I saw eyes, and I was like, this is where I die. Um, and the deer will go for, like, the handles of your trekking poles because they're salty. Yeah. So maybe that was it. Yeah. Um, it didn't wake him up, so I imagine it was not a very big animal. But who knows? He's a deep sleeper. Hmm. Uh, but so... I, that being said, I should probably preface that by saying someone listening to this, unless you're a very experienced backpacker and you're good at the bear thing, like you follow Skirka's suggested method for bear stuff, um, we should, probably should bring a bear canister. Yeah, better safe than sorry. Yeah. That and we were doing bigger miles than, you know, at the average – backpacker out there so we were able to get past the section where uh bears are frequented but if you're listening to this i would encourage you to take a bear canister i would say most people nowadays do take bear canisters pretty soon maybe you'll have to um you know i'm not going to tell you exactly what you should or shouldn't do but if you're on the fence you probably should yes very good disclaimer also it keeps the food in the center of your bear can like cold so if you brought like a stick of cream cheese for like muffins or something like english mcmuffins what are they english muffin english muffins yeah um the cream cheese stays cold pro tip fun fact um okay speaking of desolation wilderness permits yeah so that is the only place where that's like the biggest logistic of, of this entire trail is you do need a permit to be in desolation wilderness the process for getting it as a through hiker like many things is much easier than if you're just doing like a day hike or even a, a section hike but you call the, let's see, I have the notes here somewhere. Basically, you call some ranger station. If you just Google Tahoe Rim Trail uh, permit, it'll take you right to the Tahoe Rim Trail Association website in the correct page. And you have to call their, at some forest service office between seven and 10 days before you start the trail. And uh, it's kind of a funny process. So you call, leave a voicemail. Uh, one of the rangers who's like out patrolling is going to call you back from their cell phone. And the process of getting it was kind of comical because like uh, I believe it was a he was taking notes like while putting his phone on speakerphone and just asking me to speak very slowly. It seemed very primitive. It did huh. not seem like a dialed in process. But yeah, I got a permit for that. Also, you need a permit if you're going to use a canister stove, um, which is the only stove that's allowed. You need what's called a campfire permit. Uh, 
and did that. That's very easy. Is that the same California fire permit you get for the PCT? Um, Do you I, need that one since you need it for the PCT I, for California? I don't know if it's the same one as the PCT. I don't know if I did that on the PCT. So maybe I broke a rule. But. Oh, they made us watch this like 12 minute like tutorial on how to make an appropriate campfire ring and like how to put out fires. And then they sent you a certificate. So this was different because there's no fires allowed. Although there was, there was some general fire information in the video. But uh, yeah, it, just, mm. this was a, like a two minute video that had to, you had to watch and take a short quiz to be able to use a canister stove. Huh. Um. Is it like the Wonderland Trail where you have to like time your trip around when you can get the permit or are they just giving them out willy-nilly? No, there's no limit. The only timing thing that you have to get right is just like when you call them. And I actually fucked that part up. Um, I thought you were supposed to call them a week before you were entering into desolation. It's a week before you get on the trail. So the very nice ranger made an exception for me because I called like six days before I had started when it should have been more than a week. But um, yeah, I misinterpreted what the instruction was. Do they cost money? Permits free. Uh, you just got to print it out and carry it with you. I didn't see anyone that was checking it, but I've talked to, uh, shout out to both Brandon Moxie, who is a writer for us, and uh, Constantine and Magpie. I believe I was communicating with Constantine. Um, and they they both gave me some good trail beta, and they both said that they had encountered um, peop- a ranger out there that was checking permits. So I, it sounds like more likely than not, you probably will encounter someone in Desolation Wilderness. I don't know if we started earlier than they did, but yeah, nothing. Cool. Um, last intro to basics. Uh, how many people did you see? Did not take like an a day. exact count. Um, so... It's obviously like any trail, much busier on the weekend. Um, did see quite a bit of PCT hikers at the kind of like the 20 miles before it junctions off near Tahoe City. Um, <laughs> that's a fun story in and of itself because every Tahoe Rim Trail hiker that you run into has like that novelty factor in their eyes. They're really excited about being on trail. And a lot of the PCT hikers just look dead inside. Yeah, they had just gotten done with the Sierra, and I'm sure they saw a good amount of snow. And like they'd been on trail for what I don't know, over a thousand miles at that point. Like that's the point in the trail for a lot of people where it gets hard because like there's nothing novel about the experience. The most exciting part of the trail, or certainly one of the big highlights, is in the rear view window. And uh, yeah, it's. They didn't possess the same excitement as like me, for instance. Like this is my first backpacking trip and real backpacking trip in three years. Did any of them ask you if you hiked the AT? Uh, the only person I ran into one person who recognized me or at least uh, said anything to me was uh, <laughs> we stopped in the Tahoe City to resupply, and then of course we go to the restaurant to grab a couple beers and a burger. And uh, someone came up to me being like, are you Zach Davis? I'm like, yes. She's like, Rachel Piersdorf is my college, one of my good college friends and yada, yada, yada. Uh, someone that went to school with Rachel and apparently is a big fan of the podcast. So huh. shout out to Kara. Thanks for saying hello. That was very cool. Um, but yeah, no AT jokes. That is like kind of funny to recognize your college friend's like part-time employer. Yeah. She so she I think she clarified that to be like I'm not just saying hi because of Rachel as she mentioned that so she had hiked the PCT 2021 last year 
Uh, and she said that this podcast was a big inspiration for that. So okay. predates Rachel. Where do people find people in college that were doing this? In my college, no one went outside. Uh, Unless it was to drink. Yeah, I was going to say, in Madison, you have to walk to get to the bar. But um, yeah, that's probably the only Even That's hard at times, don't yeah. I know? <laughs> um, okay, cool. Well, glad to know the little facts of it. Um First question is, was it just a lovely, awesome trail? Rachel, uh, I love your questions. <laughs> um, uh, yes, it was nice. Um, it was exactly what I wanted. I wanted a trail that was logistically easy. I didn't want to be drained by the process of like having to spend two weeks trying to get my ducks in a row for this. Like, Aside from the one permit thing and the campfire permit, you can basically just land on the trail and figure it out. How is the water? Because I noticed on one of your posts that I definitely liked, you had mentioned that it was a bit of a like joke to be walking around such a big lake and be rationing water. Yeah, it's not PCT desert long carries, but uh, I think my longest carry was from Spooner Trailhead, which we cash water at. Barely know her. That's right. And uh, I think it was 15 miles past there. And the fuck of it was I hit that on like a record breaking heat day. It was like 100 degrees in Reno. And so I was just sweating my ass off. You had to cash yourself water? Yeah. So my my friend who ended up doing the second half of the trail with me, uh, we drove past Spooner Trailhead, which was, I don't know, 20 miles past where I started at Tahoe Meadows and uh, yeah, we stashed some water there. So if, if you hadn't had done that, it would have added an extra five, six miles, something like that. Um, Marlette Lake Campground, I think, is the place where you would have gotten water. But uh, I didn't check it out because it was off trail. But the notes that I saw in Far Out indicated that it was like a very steep hike to get to. So that would have been a big, yeah, that would have been a big pain in the ass had they not had that. So if someone's planning to do it, should they cache water there? I would, especially if you're going to do it and it's going to be hot, which this is a summer hike, I think it is a huge benefit to have water um, at Spooner and Brockway and probably not in that order. I would say when we got to Brockway, there was a lot of water left by Trail Angels. I saw nothing at Spooner, um, but it would have been really challenging to do that stretch without having water stashed there. Um, I keep thinking of more basics questions as we go. Was it exposed or under tree line? Because isn't it like in under trees and kind of at elevation, like 6,000 feet-ish, where it wouldn't feel as hot? So, yeah. But, I mean, it's 100 degrees in Reno, and Reno is at about 5,000 feet or so, somewhere. It's Reno's pretty high. So it was hot as – it was in the mid-80s out there, which, you know, if I hadn't done a – ton of backpacking prior to this it was enough to have me cook and i run pretty hot regardless um so yeah i was sweating heavily which i'm sure will come up in a, another prompt here shortly ah. uh but it, it would have been doable like there this is not as hard as the desert section in the pct by any stretch but just the fact that you're walking around this massive lake is kind of a mind fuck in the fact that there are so many stretches where you're do- carrying water for 10 plus miles. Um, hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So did you like, okay, when there was snow, did you need spikes for the snow or was it just like annoying snow? So you don't need spikes asterisks. Um, pretty much everyone that I talked to on trail said that they didn't 
have spikes. Um, I also think like that was pretty much what I gathered online through Facebook. I also think that there's some sort of like bravado to saying that you don't have spikes. Like it's a, it shows a sign of weakness that you'd carry traction with you for some people. Um, I did carry spikes when my buddy Kemp, Alex, uh, met up with me at Echo Lake. That's the stretch that we did. Um, that was the snowiest stretch of trail from Echo Lake to Tahoe City, which is about 50 miles, memory serves. So, you know, I was happy to have it for the peace of mind. I think I put it on once just to help me move faster as opposed to for any safety reasons. But um, there was one stretch going into South Lake Tahoe, south of US Highway 50, I think that's um, Echo Pass, where legitimately it was one of the most terrifying trail experiences I'd ever had. Was it near Dick Pass or am I in the wrong location? Uh, further south of there, Dick Pass is um, like, I guess like halfway through Desolation Wilderness. Okay. Um, but th this, it was just like a, like a perfect storm for this to be bad. This was a pitch that was sitting in shade by the time that I hit it, probably around 9 a.m., like had seen no sun. The night was very cold. I woke up with frost on my tent that night, definitely got below freezing. And when, and it's a steep pitch and the snow extends far enough that if you fall, like I think best case scenario, you're walking out of there, walking out of there. You're getting helicoptered out of there with broken legs or broken bones of some variety. Um, and I, I would venture to guess that you could potentially die if you fell at the wrong spot there. Most summers, that would be a non-issue because the snow is soft enough that you can kick steps if you have that skill set. And I encourage anybody that's going to do any kind of snow hiking to at least like watch a YouTube tutorial on that. But this was ice. This was sheer ice. And I didn't have traction with me for this stretch. Um, and yeah, it was just like, I was such in the mindset to get to town. Like I thought it was going to be cakewalking. And I think I had four miles from where I'd camped to get to the place where I thought I was going to hitch. And I hit that patch and like, I got basically halfway out there and I'm like looking for alternate routes to not have to do this. And there was nothing. And like backtracking is dangerous in and of itself because turning around when you're on one of those things is not a good situation to be in. So, you know, I just went through, but like, my heart was racing at that. It was pretty short. It was maybe, if I had to guess, 100 yards or so, like longer than some of the snow passes that I had done, but um, certainly could have been very dangerous. So the scenario where it's bad is like, if you happen to catch one of these areas that doesn't see any sun and it gets really cold, like it's, and you don't have traction, you're really just banking on the fact that you've got incredible balance and every step is perfectly in place for you because uh, without the ability to kick in some soft snow, you're you're basically walking across ice. Are there trees to grab onto? No. Are you like taking your trekking pole and like hitting it into the ground <laughs> first? Like it's Gandalf staff. Uh, I was relying very heavily on my trekking poles, but if your feet go out, there's no way that that's gonna give you enough traction to keep you propped. Like the best thing that you could do is hope that that's gonna get you self arrest. But I, again, on this snow, it's ice. Like you're not. You're not, if you're dragging it down, it's just going to like ricochet back up. And so, there's nowhere to go. Like you can't go like over it. If I had gone back, I suspect I, I could have done a very inconvenient and potentially somewhat dangerous route to go under it. This particular patch, I don't think over was a, was an option. Um, 
you know, I didn't really reevaluate it because I was just like so ready to get past it after the fact. I do have a couple photos. I took one on both sides of it just because I, I knew that this one was going to be more challenging than anything else I had encountered. And again, if you had hit this in even like 45 degree weather, it wouldn't have been an issue. The snow would have been soft enough. But this particular, again, it was just the perfect storm of a situation where um, it could have turned out very badly. And I encountered a hiker maybe a mile past that older gentleman who had through hiked the trail last year, had started a little bit later, so he didn't see any snow. Um, like he asked me about the scouting up ahead and I, I told him about that patch. He's like, well, do you think it'll be okay for me? And like, I don't want that guy's death on my conscience. I'm like, to be honest with you, dude, I don't know. Like I, if I were you, I would probably, there's a campsite about a half mile up the trail. I would sit there and grab like an extended breakfast, maybe for like an hour or two, just to let the sun kiss it and hope that it makes it soft enough that you can start to form your own steps. But yeah, that was that was the one stretch on the entire trail where I felt um, I, I really had wished that I had traction. So to that being said, you know, that probably could have happened any number of places that just happened to be the location that I was on a cold night. Um, so if you're thinking about doing the Tahoe Rim Trail in June and there's still snow, uh, I would encourage you to bring traction. Like it's a it's a pretty low weight penalty for a thing that can make a huge difference in your safety yeah and you don't need to tell anyone you have it either if um you're like zach and you think it makes you look weak yeah uh, i'm very weak yes. no i i didn't have it at that stretch and i felt like a fucking dummy fair enough um is that the scariest part of the trail like was that the scariest thing that happened to you or do you have any other spooky stories nothing even close to that um the rest of it was there were a couple of snowier stretches but at the times that i had them i had micro spikes so um i didn't even put them on in most instances just because that was so much worse than anything else that i had hit it just seemed easy to me um nice well that covers i guess june in terms of the micro spikes but we had a question from instagram asking um is that the recommended month to hike the trail or what's the best time to do it as with anything any trail there's going to be so many pros and cons for when you hit it. Um, and there's also going to be a ton of variance year to year. So this was a very low snow year in the Sierra. However, it was also a cool spring. So the mountains were holding on to their snow longer than I, I, I can't speak to what that region is like this time of the year normally. But um, I, from my friend who's lived in the area for five years, he was surprised to see how much snow there still was. Um, I talked to Constantine. He certainly was very surprised. He started the trail like 10 days or so before I did. And I think he was on snow for like many mile long stretches. Um, I thought it was a good time because I was expecting the bugs to be hell. And the I think I got bit three times. I put on no bugs, no bug spray or um, picaridin, which I had plenty of with me because I was anticipating the mosquitoes to be the end of times. That's just what the i've heard horror stories of basically from like through the sierra all the way to oregon that time of the year sometimes the mosquitoes are just hell i think the fact that it was so unusually cold it was keeping them at bay like that one night got below freezing i'm sure there were a couple of other nights where it probably got close to that as well so i think that's kind of thwarted the the bugs and last year at that time it, it was already like 90 degrees at lake tahoe consistently it never cooled down um we did, like I told you, that Jenna and Leo flew out afterward. 
normally like reliably the weather up there is in the 70s or 80s it was on saturday 47 degrees and on sunday it was like 55 degrees like it was strangely cool while we were out there hmm. so i think it's fucking up the bugs and that was a good thing i would i would way, way rather deal with some extra snow and no bugs than the inverse of that yeah retweet that um yeah. okay so you get on trail day one what's day one like tahoe meadows hot um but just ecstatic to be out hiking you know you know that like early through hike jitter feeling yeah i haven't felt the pain yet yeah uh i was riding that wave high just having a good time um i don't know the, the trail that day was very approachable i think i had like less than three thousand feet of gain even though i did 24 miles which is pretty good starting at 10 a.m if i can't say so myself uh but yeah it just felt it honestly just felt good to get out and like backpack like that was the first real aside from the four pass loop in 2020 i try to do and our overnight yeah that's true we did some good sections uh in wisconsin but like stringing together many days this was the first one uh since 2019 um okay and then did you start it with your friend or your friend met you during it he joined up with me uh, at South Lake Tahoe, which I entered from Echo Lake. So I did uh, 40-ish miles from Tahoe Meadows to Echo Lake. And then we did the last... No, I said that totally wrong. Uh, what did I do? 80 miles? I think it was 80 miles. Yeah, it was 80 miles to South Lake Tahoe and then 90 miles to finish. Okay, so, so we won't get into your friend yet. Any notable views from day one? Um. You know, just the first time that you get a good Lake Tahoe view, because it's not like you might imagine that you're just walking around the lake and looking at it the entire time. You can see Lake Tahoe for, I would guess, don't quote me, between 5 and 10% of the time. 10 is definitely high, 5% of the time. That kind of sucks. It It's enough that when you see it, you get excited. Yeah. The rest of it is, yeah, you're in the trees a lot. Um, when you do Desolation Wilderness, you don't see the lake at all. You see lots of lakes, but not Lake Tahoe. So there's other views to replace that view? Definitely. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I camped by a small lake, Star Lake, one night. That was super cool. Um, but yeah, it just, even if you go on a boring trail, maybe save the Lone Star Trail, which is not the greatest trail. Uh, you're always going to have like enough views that uplift you. And in like in an area which, you know, wasn't exceptional, I got hit with like a Hawaiian caliber rainbow. Hmm. It was a magic. Well, that the reason that's interesting. I, so I saw a Ziploc a few weeks ago. I think I sent, I think I mentioned that. Um, maybe it wasn't to you. Maybe I mentioned it to Mims, but I saw a Ziploc. He came through town after doing the Arizona trail and he was an Arizona Trail hater because he was like, I expected mm. Grand Canyon views and then I was in woods. So I yeah. feel like if you go to the Tahoe Rim Trail and you're expecting to like literally be looking at the lake yeah. 12 hours a day, is that a letdown? Uh, so I didn't really have that expectation, but I personally think that like if you had the same view the entire time, you just wouldn't appreciate it no. at all. So I was happy to like have it be so infrequent that when you did see it, like you sat down and took a break or um, it stood out. But uh, yeah, that's news to me. I thought it we saw it the whole time. Yeah. Um, okay, so day one, where did you camp? Uh, just past Spooner. Basically, there's a camping restriction uh, that I forget 14 miles or something. Don't quote me on that. Uh, where you have to camp in the, the campgrounds. I picked up my water and then hiked 
just far enough outside of the restricted area. So maybe a half mile past Spooner. Yeah. Make any friends? Or were you camping by yourself? Uh, no, I camped aside from when I had my buddy with me. I was never camping anywhere near anyone else. Okay. Actually, that's not true. At Star Lake, there were other people at the lake, but um, not like anyone near where my tent was. Okay. Um, day two, you wake up. Tell us about day two. Actually, we should backtrack because uh, the no bear storage thing is actually kind of not true. I had my ursac for the first half of the trail. So when I was at Star Lake and past Spooner, I definitely used my ursac, um, which I've had this thing for years, and it was the first time that I'd used it. I had to watch like tutorials on knot tying before leaving for the trail. Uh, but yeah, that was it. Okay. Which is the bat? It's not the Ziploc opsack. It's the like. I, I had sack. the opsack stuffed inside of the ursack, and I will say that um, I just Google or I Amazon searched opsack and just bought the first one without looking closely at it. The thing that came was like a body bag, like it's wider than it is tall, where like the normal one's very tall. So getting it to fit inside of an ursack was troublesome. Uh, I really had to like cram all my food into the corner and close the bag and wrap it up before getting into the ursac which it worked fine but um it was that was kind of a frustrating process so i would not recommend the opsack with the ursac or at least that opsack with the ursac isn't there also a lopsack with an l at the front that's also like a clear bag it, uh, so that's what i have is the i think the brand is lopsack and the model's opsack or maybe i have that reverse i don't totally know but they've got to name them something different because yeah. i had i had one of the clear ones on the Somewhere. Might have been the AT, might have been the PCT. I can't even remember at this point. But I remember there being the word lopsack, opsack, so apparently ursack. Lock sack, opsack. Uh yeah, so I think Locksack is the company and the opsack is the particular product. I could be wrong, but that the website is locksack.com. All right. If you've done any amount of research on which gear is best for long distance backpacking, you are already familiar with our next sponsor. Enlightened Equipment specializes in manufacturing ultralight and minimalist gear that performs. From quilts and 8-ounce synthetic jackets to ultralight rain gear and wind pants, Enlightened Equipment offers a wide range of gear and apparel suited for anything the trail can throw your way. Based in Winona, Minnesota, say that five times fast, Enlightened Equipment is a tried-and-true ultralight favorite for triple crowners, weekend warriors, and everyone in between. The name Enlightened Equipment is familiar because it's been cited as the most used brand of sleeping bag or quilt from our most recent Appalachian Trail thru-hiker survey. Its popularity is not confined to the Appalachians as it's a thru-hiker favorite across all trails as they make a top quality product at a very fair price. I've used an Enlightened Equipment quilt for many years and can personally attest that it's kept me warm on cold nights while keeping my pack load light. Both Chance and I have been rocking the revelation on our recent backpacking trips. And for those who need quality backpacking gear in the near future, Enlightened Equipment has expanded their ready-to-ship inventory. Nearly every product they offer has popular configurations in stock right now. If you're hearing this ad, you can have a quality quilt or jacket ready for your next backpacking trip. And this is the part you have been waiting for. Our friends at Enlightened Equipment are offering listeners of Backpacker Radio the rare 10% discount off Enlightened Equipment's best-selling stock Revelation quilt or tour jacket by using code ULTRALIGHT10 at checkout. 
That's ultralight, the number 10, all one word, at checkout at enlightenedequipment.com. This is a limited time code, so if you're in the market for a quilt and or synthetic jacket, do not sleep on this deal. Okay, so day two. Notable things. Uh, date, you're really stretching my memory here. Uh, the whole episode's about oh. this. You didn't prep. Well, like a day by day thing. You is, just is got tough. home. <laughs> I, I've got the highlights. I know. There I've, were only seven. It, 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 if you ask me in a week, I'm not going to remember even being on this trail. Um, day two, the story of this one was chafing because it was so hot. Uh, I just. I fucked up on the first day because I used the body glide like deodorant stick, which I'd used in the past, but I got a new stick thinking that like maybe I just didn't apply enough of it, yada, yada, yada. Fuck that thing. That thing is the worst chafing prevention of all time. I, I relied on it. It did nothing for me. By the time I got to camp, I was in pain, but like all my other chafing experiences, like clean the area, uh, air it out, go to sleep, and I'm fine the next day. I woke up on day two. My first step, I was sore still. Um, but you've used this before. I had used it once before and it failed me, but I was hoping that like maybe they had made improvements to the product and no, they didn't. The, my saving grace was I had like the smallest travel size thing of Aquaphor, which is petroleum jelly, um, which I, I went through all of that in the first half of day two. So I could hike into a general store um, in Kingsbury and buy like they didn't have travel size anything there this was a small general store so i bought like a giant tub of petroleum jelly and literally just kept that in my hip belt pocket and was having to apply it probably every two miles or so just to like keep it lubed to the point where it never really dried out because like if you're starting the day with chafing already being an issue it's gonna fucking suck uh so i wanted to stay ahead of it i literally was using david goggins audiobook as like inspiration to not be a pussy because he's talking about his chapter where he is doing buds um which is like the boot camp for navy seals and he had to finish it off running on two broken shins i'm like all right if this guy can run seven miles at such and such a pace on two broken shins like i can deal with a little bit of chafing yeah but that was definitely like every day that it was hot i don't think it ever completely healed but um the petroleum jelly, at least for me, is a much better treatment situation than that speed stick, which is, or whatever, uh, the body glide is totally useless for me. Have you ever just like taken leukotape and just like taped over where it chafes so that it's leukotape rubbing leukotape? The particular location on my taint would have made that impossible. And I know that because <coughs> I literally thought about that as a solution. I thought mm. about like taping a thong onto my body to prevent any sort of anything. But what if you like, shoved wads of toilet paper between your butt cheeks and then taped them in place. <clears throat> I've had such bad chafing where a, the worst chafing I've ever experienced where like every step was excruciating. And like, this is way, I would rather have a foot covered in blisters than chafing to this extent. Ooh, I had to stuff a t-shirt down my shorts and like kind of like sideways crab walk to even get to the campsite. It, and at that time, I didn't even know chafing anything. I didn't have any sort of prevention with me. I was very fortunate that a hiker lent their uh, Vaseline to me. That's where I learned the, the powers of petroleum drilling. Um, I have an idea for next time, which is still to do with the leukotape, because I think it's like the My Big Fat Greek Wedding of Windex or vice versa. Um, instead of leukotaping the spot that's chafing, you could put 
a Luco tape on one cheek and then pull it up and like hook it around your hip for both so that it just holds them permanently separate. If I showed you exactly what was happening, uh, you would realize that that is not a really a solution. Okay. Um, I do like the idea of spreading butt cheeks. I think that's always a good idea. Yeah, give it a little breeze. Yeah. Um, and it's it's good for you if you point it at the sun. Did I ever, speaking of breeze, did I ever talk about wearing a kilt on the AT? I feel like you did, but it was long enough ago where I do not remember <laughs> the details. So chafing was an issue on the AT. Um, I saw other hikers using kilts. I think kilts had a moment in the sun. You don't see them anymore. No, they had they had one in the desert in the PCT. Oh, really? Yeah, I saw some kilts. Yeah. Um, so I had a couple people recommend kilts. I'm like, fuck it. I'm out here on vacation. Uh, got into whatever the outfitter is at Harper's Ferry. And the only kilt they had was either medium that would, like ran small or it was legitimately a small. It was very short. It was like a miniskirt. I was basically hiking in a miniskirt. And the people had told me the only way that this thing works at all is if you get proper airflow so you don't wear underwear. <laughs> so I'm hiking around. Like I remember being at some state park along the AT and sitting down and just like sitting like I normally sit and like my junk's just hanging out. And uh, I think that was the beginning of the end for the kilt experience for me because like legitimately could have gotten indecent exposure just trying to avoid some chafing. Yikes. Um, that's a... That's a thought in my mind right now that I can't get out. Yeah, sorry. For, um, we'll put a, uh, some sort of disclaimer on this Yeah, episode. disturbing visuals. Yeah. Um, okay. I feel like if I were to wear a kilt, I'd want to, like, deck it out, like, the old kilts where, like, I had, like, a little coin purse and, like, you know, they have sometimes, like, a chain or, like, a fanny pack. I don't actually know the um, accessories of a kilt, but I feel like I'd want all of them. Yeah. I feel – when I think of kilt, I think of almost like the uh, – like a high school cheerleader, like how they're kind of like layered almost. Like there's like mm, pleated. Pleated is the terminology. Pleated, yeah. Um, yeah, my kilt didn't have that. It was more just like it was more just like a khaki mini skirt. Function over fashion. Yeah. Hate to hear that. Um, okay. So day two, you chafed a lot. Any notable passes, views, things, animals? Honestly, my ability to appreciate the trail was sorely impacted by the chafing situation. Okay. Uh, I I thought that 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 was the moment where I'm like, am I going to be able to do this? Um, oh, did we say that on our triple crown? Did we put chafing as something that would get you off trail? If I didn't put it on there, then that means I had completely overlooked my hiking history because uh, this is not my first chafe. But um, yeah, that should have been certainly one of the first picks. Nice. Um, so did I, I camped, yeah, that night is where I camped at Star Lake. And I will say the hike up to there was really pretty. You go over some pass, like that's kind of your last uh, Easter exposure from the Carson Mountains. And like you get some really cool, interesting views into the desert valley below. Um, Looks like you saw some rain too. That was day three. Uh, yeah, so to wrap up day two, I camped at Star Lake, very cool lake. And uh, the Uber driver who drove me into South Lake Tahoe said that that lake does not get a ton of campers because it's just far enough away from any trailhead that, like, you're not going to get the casuals out there. I think it's – he said it was, like, seven miles from the closest trailhead. So I think there was – there was another couple that was through hiking there. There was another lady, and then that might have been it. And at a pretty good-sized lake. So it felt like you could camp anywhere and – be fine 
Okay. Um, buggy by the lake? Condensation no. issues? Anything no. like that? The only bugs that we encountered, and I don't know if this was just the particular terrain or the fact that a few more days had passed and things had started to hatch, was just by some creeks over, like, on the PCT portion of the trail. Got it. Um, okay. Rain? Rain day three? Day three was rain from 9 a.m. to about 4 p.m. Um, it was a high of, like, 48 degrees and, like, cautionary wind. So the rain was coming in sideways. Um Shout out to whatever the Montbell rain jacket. I'm going to post a gear list. It'll probably be out by the time you hear this. So, uh, Rachel, if you could include that in the show notes, please. Thank you. Uh, but the rain jacket did great, but I definitely erred on the side of packing my clothes on the lighter side. I was concerned with my ability to do the miles, so I went lighter in pretty much all regards. Um, <clears throat> so all I had was my like light button-up T-shirt, a long sleeve merino with a hood, a, a pretty light piece, another Montbell piece, and then the rain jacket. So which one did you shove up your ass? That was the carrot that I was hiking with. What are we talking about hiking? You said you put you watered a t-shirt up in oh, your pants. Oh, not on this hike. That was the AT. Oh, yeah. right. And okay. it didn't go up my ass. It was actually around my uh, my groin area. Of course. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing that I can remember. South Lake was pretty wild, but I don't think anything really went in my ass this trip. Okay. Well, you can't win them all. Sorry, um, sorry so, okay. So Mount Bell makes very light things. I would assume if it was really heavy rain that it would maybe not hold up the best as a rain jacket, I, but I've never used it. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so I have used this rain jacket before, but I lent out my other jacket to a friend and, I haven't seen it since. So uh, they sent me another one. So it was basically brand new in tip top shape. And for how cold it was, like that was some of the coldest rain I'd experienced since the AT. Um, fortunately, it's a little bit drier out there, so it's not quite as punishing. But I was a little bit worried that day about if I was going to have to hike into town and just like dry off because it was too cold. Uh, it was very cold. I, w- I had to hike the entire stretch of the rain without taking breaks just to stay warm. And that's with... My wind pants, I don't think I hiked with my leggings. I wanted to keep those dry for sleep. Uh, so shorts late, or wind pants, uh, the button-up shirt, the long-sleeve merino, and the rain jacket. And, you know, with intense wind, a cold driving rain, that was about my limit. Like, I was, I was hiking fast to stay warm, and it worked. But the second the rain stopped, my mood improved dramatically. Was the long sleeve merino your warmest warmth, or did you have a warmer warmth? So for sleep, that's one area I never fuck around with. I have a very nice down jacket, like 12 ounces, and uh, I brought the Enlightened Equipment 20-degree quilt. And my only sleep issues was at times I was too warm, Mm. but like that never felt too cold. Um, was there a risk of thunderstorms, lightning? Some of the sky pictures look a little gray. Yeah, never saw any storms. Um, the toughest part about hiking in the rain, and I think this was combined with the fact that the snow was had just melted, was the entire trail was like a creek for most of it. So very wet feet. There was one water crossing. I think it was like the first water crossing that I hit once I got onto the PCT. So coming out of Big Meadows, maybe a few miles after that where um, it's a longer water crossing and there's stones in the water to like hop across. 
but the water was so high that the stones were under like four inches of water each. And normally I would just hike through, but my feet were dry enough that I knew that that would just make me colder. So uh, I first walked up and down the creek, probably a quarter mile in each direction, trying to find a better crossing, nothing. Uh, and then eventually in, in like the height of the rain, take my shoes and socks off and just cross barefoot. Fortunately, it was sandy enough that I could do that. But um, yeah, that was the coldest part of that day for sure. Yikes. Um, cold water, not a fan. Yeah. But we'll sprinkle in some of the gear stuff because um, I think it's nicer than putting it all at once. Speaking of shoes, what kind of shoes were you wearing? There's a question later in here about my favorite piece of gear, so this is a spoiler for that. Maybe I'll think of another piece just to have a different answer. But uh, the Hocus Beagles are fucking awesome. Um, but feet are definitely the thing that are like the limiting factor I'd say for most backpackers and, um, my feet felt awesome. I had a couple of hot spots, but a lot of that is just the day we hiked in the Tahoe city. We went like 12 miles without taking a break. Like if you're doing long miles without taking any breaks, that's when things start to happen. And we did that enough times where it started to happen, but uh, no full-blown blisters. My feet felt awesome. The shoes were grippy enough. I have very wide feet, so it was suitable for my Shrek feet. Uh, and the, like I had used the speed goats in the past, but not in any like substantial backpacking trip. This is my first time using them and they were incredible. What's the difference between them and ultras? So Hoka is known for their very big midsoles. Um, they almost look like you're walking on stilts. Ugly shoes. Really Doesn't that make shoes. it okay? So I always think this when I see their shoes. Doesn't that make it harder to like not trip over stuff because you're walking on like platform heels? I will say I like it less for trail running, mostly because I just so used to running in trail runners that like you can feel the ground a little bit more. But the it's not the midsole is not so aggressive that you feel like it's not like running in a boot necessarily. But um, yeah, it, it definitely there's an adjustment period for sure. Cool. But given the shape, the state of my knees, I am happy to take any extra padding that I can get. And um, yeah, also switching from zero drop ultra to this. It's a, the Hoka's are a pretty mild drop, but still not zero drop. Um, but I had no issues with that. Okay. Any other notable parts of day three? Um, day three, I ended up hiking like four more miles than I wanted to because every indicated campsite on far out was not good it was just wet waterlogged so i ended up just hiking further and further i like i'm like i want to be 10 miles from town tomorrow i'd be really happy with that it feels like a good nero I ended up hiking like basically four miles outside of town um but i got a really cool campsite probably 100 yards off trail with like a view of lake tahoe up on a boulder kind of over facing the valley and uh yeah that was a really nice campsite best campsite the lake was probably my favorite campsite star lake oh okay star lake um okay so day four town day town day that was the day that i talked about that snow bake thing that was probably the only highly notable part of the hiking portion of it um that's also so you walk through the burn area of the candor fire from last year which is the thing I guess one of the fires for why my hike didn't happen last year. Um, but I've had a lot of people ask about that. The stretch that is directly in the burn area is, I would guess, a mile and a half or so. It's not huge, but 
it's pretty great. Like I've done that stretch of trail before and it's pretty crazy to see it after it had completely been scorched through. Um, and there's now a ton of construction around there because they're redoing some of the stuff around the highway. Uh, yeah. Um, shout out to Billy Widmer, former guest of the show, Trex developer. Uh, he went down in that area and flagged me to the fact that apparently a bunch of morels are growing in the area. Maybe oh. I shouldn't be saying that on here. Yeah, that's a good tip for the morel hunters. Yeah. Uh, there were none close enough to the trail that I could find any, and I'm not a good forager, so I didn't actually find any. But if you're listening to this, that's that's the scoop. All right. Well, that's um, I see. I'm, I would always be hesitant about eating things I find outside. I would definitely be like, "This is a morel, and it's yeah, it's a poisonous mushroom. That's, yeah, it's gonna destroy me." Reasons we didn't think that Zach wouldn't finish his hike. Yeah. Um. He he ate the wild. If if stuff. I would have seen something that approximated a morel, I probably would have eaten it. So I'm glad that I didn't. Yeah, I feel like they like what they look like. They have like the holes in the cap part yeah. of the. I think they're more like spongy looking compared yeah. to like the traditional mushroom, but um, I'm not a not huge enough, mushroom person. Not enough info to do it. No. Um, okay. You get over the scary part. Obviously, that's on a town day because why wouldn't it be? Yeah. Get to town and you go to a casino? <clears throat> well, so the first headache is because of all the construction that's happening there. Uh, typically, the easiest hitch is from US Highway 50, Echo Pass, but the eastbound lane is completely shut down and they're just doing one-way traffic so you're not gonna be able to get a hitch there there's another road a little bit further north of there but that is a forest road that many people are not going i tried to get a hitch from there the three cars that came through in the 20 minutes that i was there were all going up to echo lake i'm like that's probably going to be the pattern so i hike up to echo lake being unsure of if i have enough service to get an uber um fortunately i do and it says the Uber is seven minutes away. It took me over an hour for an Uber to get my Uber there because of the construction. Oh, okay. So they weren't just like canceling on you? I had to cancel on the first one because, you know, the little icon of it says where the vehicle is. It said seven minutes and it didn't move for 40 minutes. Yeah. I think maybe they had turned their thing off because when I finally did get an Uber, the guy who had picked me up, who I'm very sure had done a bunch of cocaine right before picking me up, is like, this is the last charity ride that I'm doing this entire season, or I forget exactly what he said, but um, it took him about an hour and a half in Tahoe's, I think seven miles away to get up there because of the construction. So yeah, something to think about if you're trying to hitch. Apparently they, they stopped the construction. I mean, this is gonna be so out of date for most people listening to this, so I'll get past it quickly, but apparently they don't do the construction on the weekend. So if you happen to hit that on the weekend, you can hitch from the easier parts, but yeah, I had to get an Uber from Echo Lake. Well, it's cool that the Uber came because I tried to get an Uber to take me back to a car on the Colorado Trail, like from Breckenridge to Kenosha Pass, and every single one was just like, cancel, cancel. They yeah. find out where you're going, and they're like, nah. I also learned that this maybe doesn't pertain to this story, but uh, there are California Ubers and there are Nevada Ubers. So this guy was saying that uh, he like will and he probably shouldn't be doing this, but he will like call or text the people that he should be picking up to ask them where they're going. And if it's into Nevada, because he's a California Uber, he'll just cancel the thing because he's not allowed to pick up anyone in Nevada. So he has to drive all the way back into California to get a ride. And um, yeah, basically he's just trying to maximize profit. 
Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, I guess that makes sense. You have to like have the driver's license in the state you're in when you're driving for them. But that sucks if you're like in a border state. Like if you were where I was in New York and you're right next to New Jersey, it's hard to. Yeah, I, I imagine there's probably a lot of drivers that don't do that because I think that is a frowned upon practice. But I'm sure there's also a lot that do. Yes. Okay. So you get to town. South Lake Tahoe, uh, very touristy, you know, fun in the context of probably a longer through hike. It seemed excessive for what I just wanted, like a grocery store and a restaurant. And I did go into the casino, um, but I don't like gambling all that much. Mostly I don't like losing money. So as soon as I got up like 10 bucks, I walked out of there. Yeah. Your Instagram said, uh, a quick death defying snow ice bank crossing before getting filthy rich parentheses six dollars and fifty cents yeah, on machine craps yeah uh and just like i will say one thing about was it the harvey's casino the hurrah or harrods was it, i think h-a-r-r-a-h oh okay i, I don't know my casinos that well uh, um it was a little depressing to see that they have the traditional you know craps roulette uh, blackjack and most people are gathered around the machines I, I think we're getting to a place that people are so antisocial that they'd rather do the machines and i'm pretty sure they game the machines like even yeah, though i would never play a machine because of that yeah uh i i ended up doing the machine also just because i felt intimidated to walk up to a craps table and play by myself like that it seems like it should be a somewhat social sport and i feel like you're just going to lose money faster that way um and like i just got so bored by playing on, on the machine i'm just like i'm gonna go to bed yeah machines i don't know i feel like they can like sense when someone gets up and sits down and then it like tracks like it lets you have a little win and then it takes it and it just like and then it knows when you get up and you leave and the next person sits down so it can reset yeah is my theory there's like this little trampoline thing that bounces and like launches the giant dice for this particular craps game and uh so you can see that it's not like obviously gamed like they can't dictate what's going to happen but you can also just based on what i saw i think a, a five hit like 12 times in a row which if you play craps you know how uh statistically borderline impossible that is basically the dice were just not getting shaken enough to get some more random outcomes so you know if i were smarter maybe i would have picked up on that sooner and start to like bet the same thing over and over again but that's when they'd switch it yeah um yeah no it sounds weighted to me uh is that where your friend met you Yep, met me there the next morning. We he met me in South Lake, picked me up. We went up to Echo Lake and hiked out from there. Uh, Desolation Wilderness is incredible. Lakes are amazing. Aloha Lake is one of the standout views of the entire PCT. Top ten, certainly, I'd say. PCT or TRT? Both. Okay, that's a PCT section as well. Um, but top ten PCT, I would say, um, lake specifically maybe overall view. It's really cool. It's And the pictures of that section do, especially that section, do it no justice. Like Aloha Lake is incredible. Um, and you just, you can't really uh, photograph the scale, at least not with, with an iPhone. Um, because the trail was snow covered enough, was it snow covered or maybe we just were not paying attention. We got off trail for a little bit. So we did a little bit of route finding on accident. That was kind of fun. Um, but yeah, so the big hike there, you hike past all the lakes, with Aloha Lake being the big one. You get up to Dick's Pass, which is near 10,000 feet, maybe 9,500. And then once you get over the pass, 
that that's probably the longest stretch of snow that I hit. Um, and that was, I'm going to guess a mile or so. Um, again, this won't be relevant for most people listening, but that's one of the areas that's going to hold on to snow the longest and relay peak, which is basically where I ended the trail. Um, yeah. So that's the area where there's a lot of bears. At that point I was hiking with my buddy who I hadn't seen in about a year. So we were chatting it up, probably scared away any bear that would have otherwise been near the trail. So no bear encounters. Um, I think that bear encounters are pretty fairly common, not quite like Shenandoah common, but um, I think I would guess most people do see bears in that section. Uh, Camped, we hiked 24 miles that first day. So like I said, basically right to the border of Desolation Wilderness, just like we just made a campsite um, near the ridge. Um, Yeah, nothing to stand out from it. I will say that section was marked with the fact that I'm hiking with a guy who this was going to be his longest backpacking trip ever. And he had signed up to do 90 miles in three and a half days, which is aggressive for anybody, let alone somebody who didn't have that experience. So um, I lent him my wind jacket, like that Montbell wind jacket that (coughs) scrunches down to like, I don't know, something small. It weighs nothing. It's maybe an ounce. Uh, I gave him my catabatic quilt. Like I was trying to get him as light as possible to put him in the best possible situation to be able to do these miles. And he had recently sustained an ankle injury. Uh, but I had basically told him that, you know, finishing this trail is very important to me. So if you're not able to do it, maybe you get off at Tahoe city and I'll meet you where we're getting an Airbnb. Fair. Um, yeah, we had a friend come out. Well, we, one of the people I was hiking with on the AT had a friend come out in the 100-mile wilderness, and it was like you knew within the first few hours you weren't going to see him again for a couple of days. Yeah. That would be a really – I don't that would be a tough place to try to hang with through hikers, 100-mile wilderness. I don't know if yeah. I would sign up for that one. No, that was it was a, it was a funny idea. Yeah. Um, so then to sprinkle in some of the Instagram questions that we got, um, someone had asked, would you prefer um, hiking alone or hiking with someone – because you did bits of both during it. I love this split that I had. Um, I will say I feel a lot of people talk about the trail being therapy. I get more therapy out of it being by myself, like just being able to process what's in my head can only be accomplished when I'm by myself. And uh, the entire time I was with my buddy, like we didn't separate, we didn't listen to music, like we were talking the entire time. Um, So it was a very different experience with and without him. And, I couldn't do that with any hiker. Like this guy happens to be a really good friend. He was the person that married Jenna and I, like a really close friend. Um, but I didn't get like the therapeutic portion of it when I was hiking with it with him. It, it was nice to hang out with him, but I definitely was feeling like more refreshed and zen when I was by myself. So that's a, definitely a personal preference. I know you love hiking with people. Like that's pretty much the only way that you'll backpack. And I know a lot of people that are exactly that way. I get a lot of joy out of being by myself, but there's also times where I like being with friends. So, um, and I wouldn't have changed a thing. Cool. Um, did, did he have anything noteworthy to point out as it was his longest firstest backpacking trip? Honestly, I was shocked at his ability to do it. I did. I, if I had to guess, I didn't think he was going to be able to make it to the end. 
um, especially given that there was snow that was going to slow us up. Like that's one of the harder things about pulling the miles. Like when you're on the snow, maybe you're doing a mile per hour. Um, and the trail's not hard. Like that, n nothing about the trail itself, aside from the snow, was overly challenging. But hiking 25 miles on a sidewalk is difficult, especially with any weight on your back, let alone doing it in the mountains. So, um, I forgot what your question was. If there was anything notable about it being the first backpacking oh, trip and doing it. Yeah, I'm just I'm honestly very impressed. I think some people are just suited for endurance sports and apparently he has that gene, but yeah, he did a really good job. He, I mean, he was, <laughs> he was obviously limping around by the end of it, but, um, the fact that he was able to do it and I was impressed. Okay. Did you teach him odds? We did not do odds, but we had spent essentially an entire day doing a version of the triple crown. We called it a draft, but we had a lot of different themes. I'm tempted to not say it because I feel like we could repurpose some of these categories, but uh, tri triple crown with like five to seven picks, essentially. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that belongs in a text message um, yeah. to Mara and Rachel. Yeah. Um, so we'll leave that as a spoiler. Uh, anything else notable from day four? Uh, day four, is that the day out of desolation? Yeah. Um, Wait, no, this would be day five now because you left town. So this is day five. Okay. Day, day five is uh, we hike into, no, we hiked just short of, what did we, no, we ended up hiking through Tahoe City. So our original goal, because from Echo Lake to Tahoe City is about 50 miles Um I thought if we could average like low 20s through that stretch because uh, Constantine had told me that that was the slowest stretch with the snow, we'd be doing really well. We ended up hiking through Tahoe City. Just once you get close enough to town, the pull for like a real meal and a couple beers is very strong. And I think we did the last 13 miles or so without stopping. And uh, we yeah, we were just moving with purpose. So we ended up getting to town. Um, that's when I met. Rachel's friend, that's when we got some food, a couple beers, respotted the grocery store. And the reason that we were able to pull that off is because there was a campsite like less than a quarter of a mile outside of town. So we were able to just like uh, somewhat drunkenly stumble into this area and call it a night. Nice, 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 nice. Uh, Nephew. Yes. Uh, next, nice, next, um, next, next day. Jesus, that was a lot of hard. <laughs> that was hard. Um, uh, what happened the next day? Yeah, the next day I would say is one of the more boring days, view wise. Um, that I should mention there, there were some really cool views because to hike in and out of uh, Tahoe City, at times you're just going due east or due west, whereas like most of the trail you're doing the, uh, you know, a, you're hiking a clock shape, a circle. Um, and when you're hiking in a Tahoe city, you just have some really cool views of the lake and there's some really neat features. That day, there wasn't too much happening. Like trail wise, I, I couldn't recall much. Um, this is the day that we ended up doing basically drafts for most of the day to entertain ourselves. And that definitely helped the day go by. Um, we, the, I guess the most notable thing was he cashed water for us at Brockway and he stashed a couple PBRs for us as well. So we had some 
warm beer there. Um, otherwise, like trail wise, there's really nothing too exciting to highlight. And did you have, so I'm seeing a note about food in Tahoe City. Did you go into Tahoe City for food? Yep. Uh, we went to a place called Bridge Tender. And I was expecting all of the food around Lake Tahoe to be extraordinarily expensive. And mostly that's true. Uh, not only is Lake Tahoe somewhat isolated from other places, like it's not too far from Reno, but it's expensive because it gets a lot of the tech industry folk from the Bay Area. And the, like it's the anywhere you go around the lake, just lined with mansions, multi-million dollar houses, and uh, some of the restaurants are quite pricey. But this place was somewhat affordable. I think we got a burger for like 12 bucks. You got a 22 ounce beer for, I don't know, seven bucks or something like that. So uh, yeah, that place was cool. Definitely would go back. Apparently Kara is a fan of it. So uh, she knows she lives there, I guess. Um, while we're on the food topic, any other notable food things of the trail? <clears throat> um. I, I didn't have actually that's not true. The pizza restaurant in South Lake Tahoe was really good. Base Camp Pizza, I think. I think that's right. Did you go there too? Um, it might have been when I was working with the camp, but it sounds familiar. Yeah, there's a lot of Base Camp stuff in like that that part of the town, more so for skiing. Um, I stayed at the Base Camp Motel. Um, but yeah, that place was actually really good. I went and got dinner basically just to watch the NBA finals game somewhere and the food was whatever. No, the food wasn't whatever. They charged 16 bucks for six chicken wings that weren't even that big. That is, uh, that's fucking, highway robbery. Fucking outrageous. I know it was a burger restaurant. So maybe they're just trying to tell me to eat a fucking burger. I didn't want a burger. I wanted wings. Um, so, yeah, I had six chicken wings and went home and ended up eating more food out of my bag. It's like $3 a wing. It was, and they weren't giant wings. They like, they were smaller than Woody's. Yeah, no, we don't like that. No. Um, trail food. You have a little note in here about some trail food that you liked. I already forgot my notes. Uh, ramen and. Oh, oh, so, yeah, someone asked like what my favorite trail food was. It's always a tough one. Like people, I'm not. I'm not making fancy dehydrated meals. I'm pretty lazy about stuff. So my, my dinners were either ramen or good to go meals. Um, cause we had some leftovers that they had sent us here, but those are still my favorite dehydrated meals. Oh, see, I thought this meant that you had mixed ramen and a good to go meal. <laughs> and that sounded really good. No, but, uh, people do that with like the dehydrated potato. Yeah. The, the ramen, ramen bomb. bomb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't didn't mark this down as a note, but this is now reminding me. I think I ruined whatever flavor of um, liquid IV that I have forever uh -huh. because I feel like a lot of the electrolyte stuff changes the water to a different uh, enough color that you can easily discern it. So for most of the trip, I had one 1. 1.5 liter that was uh, liquid IV and one that was water. And you, maybe you sense where the story is going. But you one, made mashed potatoes? I made beef ramen oh, with like no. lemon lime liquid iv water oh. it was i'm not gonna lie i was starving and that was one of the colder nights so i like really wanted something hot it was very tough to put down and like with when you're in an area with bears you're not gonna just dump foods like i responsibly i had to put it down and uh whew, Does yeah it I, change the taste to boil your liquid iv no it just there are some f savory foods that are good with some sweetness, but this was not that. This was not. This is. I think that's ruined that flavor of liquid IV for me. What about uh, that flavor of ramen? 
I think I could still do it. Okay. Ramen is hard to fuck with. I forgot how much I like ramen. Yeah, sometimes I just make it at home. It's so good. It's, it's very good. It's dirt cheap. I, apparently, now there's some debate about how bad MSG is for you. I don't even care. Uh, ramen fucks. I don't know if that's a new debate. Um, People but, now think MSG is, or that was a. I think they've always thought it was bad for you, right? No, so that's what I'm saying is like now I've heard, don't, this is. Wait, they think it's good for you now? They don't think it's good, but they don't think it's either not bad or like not as bad as it was originally stated. Those little stinkers. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, and then the last question related to food, just because it's something that you ingest, I would guess that you had some sort of like concoction of a Ziploc with vitamins and supplements, just being <laughs> who you are. Yeah, I did. Um, I actually did less supplement stuff this time around than I normally do, um, partially because of weight, but partially just because I was so busy packing that I didn't, I just didn't think of it, it as much. I did bring, um, both an Organifi green juice packet for every one of those days. And I, I never look forward to drinking it. Like when you're stacking it up next, like Reese's peanut butter cups, dehydrated green juice, even if it's on the better side, still is not an enjoyable experience. That's so not what you told me in Wisconsin. I said, what I said was for green juice, this is pretty good. And I stand by that, but like, I'm never, I never drink I never consume most healthy things because I love the taste of it. I do it just because I'm under the assumption that it's somewhat good for my body. Um, so I did put that down every day. I also brought, this could be an entire episode of my neurosis with nutrition, but um, I went through the process of tallying the my food, like the num- both the number of calories that I was planning on eating every single day. But this is the first trip where I was actually like, tallying the number of grams of protein I was eating. In my original shop, I was getting to like 3,300 calories, which is about what I aim for for this kind of a distance. Um, And my protein totals were like 60 grams, which is low, low for that amount of food. Um, So I ended up like just discarding a lot of the stuff that I bought, peanut butter, jelly, tortillas, like that all just stayed at home. And I was carrying bags of both whey and vegan protein just to consume throughout the day. And I will say that was the thing that I was least excited to put down. Just the logistics of consuming like a powdered protein is tough because the chocolate flavor is going to linger in the bottle for a long time. The hole opening on my bottles was pretty small. So like getting it in there was a struggle. The thing that en- ended up working out the best for me was uh, I bought a naked juice at the grocery store in Tahoe City and just decided to carry that out. It makes for a pretty good shaker bottle because it's small. It's a dedicated thing where I don't not drinking water out of it, and it has a wide mouth, so it was easier to get the protein down with that. But that was the thing. I think I threw one away, a bag away in Tahoe City. It's just like. I really didn't want it, but do you think it made a difference or do you think it's just like you being unwell? I think that is for that long of a hike, kind of whatever, uh, for the last year and a half, I've spent a lot more time lifting weights than I have doing endurance stuff. So like, you know, I, I'm more cognizant of trying to preserve muscle mass than I have been at other points in my life. And you know, if you're put outputting that much exercise, like I think I lost three pounds on this trail and I was eating like I do on a normal through hike. Like I was eating a lot. Um, 
And oftentimes a lot of that weight that you're losing, if you've listened to our nutrition episode is lean muscle mass. And that's not necessarily a good thing. Like being light is good, but losing muscle is not good. So I was trying to, uh, offset the amount of muscle that I was losing as much as I could, but just, it was really tough to get the protein down. Um, this is something that I just thought of with you saying that the weight loss stuff, um, funny story. I hadn't heard of this when I did the PCT slash when we did the PCT, but one of my buddies, um, who came into the Colorado trail has attempted the PCT and is now back on it. Um, he, he posted an Instagram the other day. He met Quadzilla when he was out there. Um, they like passed each other on the trail, but he was saying that he's doing the double digit challenge. And I, this is a new challenge I hadn't heard of yet, but the goal is to be double digits by the time you finish the trail. Weight-wise, he's saying it's the double-digit challenge. Like to get below 100 pounds? Yeah, like you end up like hiking that hard that you lose weight, that you end up being in the double digits. How big is this guy? He's a small guy. Oh, he's okay. already small. I was going to say, I, I like, don't even know if I could get to below 100 pounds. No, I'm, I ended at 108, so it could have been maybe feasible. Um, R.I.P., best spot I ever had, but that I read that in one of his captions and I was cracking up because he's small enough where he could do it, but yeah. it's also like the types of challenges you come up with when you're on trail for that long are just fucking ridiculous. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, I did see in a recent Quadzilla update, he posted a shirtless pic. I don't know how that guy holds on to so much muscle doing what he does. Like He's just genetically superior to everybody. I mean, he's done nothing but activity all year. Yeah, but he's not... He has strong tricep muscles. He's hiking. That honestly, that happened to ball flap on the PCT. Like ev all the guys were getting like scrawny, and then we had this thing where we were like, "What is wrong with ball flap?" Because his arm, like he started to look like the Hulk, hmm. and it was like, "What are you doing?" I guess if you're really aggressive with the trekking poles, like the tricep is the one thing that is getting some work. But like when I hiked with Jabba, he finished the trail with the same size biceps that he, like he's just genetically a large guy. And even after 2,500 plus miles, he just carries a lot of muscle mass. Uh, Quizel is another one of those fellas that just, they're just uh, Greek gods basically. Yeah. I mean, I will point out that I did turn a corner and see you doing pushups on the trail. At no pushups were done on this trail. All of my energy went into hiking and then a little bit of beer drinking. Okay. Fair enough. A quality pair of merino wool socks is the foundation for a happy hiker's feet. If you've ever had a hot spot or done some strategic mid-hike blister maintenance, you know firsthand what can go wrong if you try to cut corners. Point Six has mastered the craft of merino with styles customized for all your adventures. From a calendar year triple crown to a day of peak bagging, Point Six has your feet covered. And now they're expanding their line to bring the merino you know and trust into new apparel, including base layers, t-shirts, hoodies, and joggers. Both Chance and I have had a chance to test the new apparel, and let me tell you, it is awesome. All Point Six products are crafted using merino wool sustainably sourced from New Zealand. Why is merino so important? Well, it's naturally antibacterial, moisture wicking, and thermoregulating, which means you'll smell better, stay drier, and adjust to a variety of temperatures throughout the day. And if you're obsessed with getting your base weight down, packing merino means you can bring less. And guess what? If you aren't thoroughly satisfied with your socks, just send them back because 0.6 socks are guaranteed for life, which is more than we can say for our needs. Discount time. Listeners of Backpacker Radio can use the discount code 0.6TREK for 30% off. Yes, you heard that correctly. 30%. So head to point the number six 
www.pointsixtrack.com and insert code POINT6TREK, again, that's the number six, for 30% off. Again, the code is POINT6, the number six, TREK, all one word, at POINT6.COM. Go get this code right now as it's only good for a limited time. Picking back up where we left off, day seven, last full day. Last full day. This one, so this section of trail dictated my start. Like I said, I was going to start at Brockway, but I there were two separate news stories of hikers getting rescued at Relay Peak because of how much snow there was. Um, and basically like two days before I had started, one of those stories had surfaced and was like, okay, maybe I will save that for last. So this is the day that we hit that. It was also unusually cold. Uh, there was another night where it froze overnight and highs in the 40s. And that is, uh, Relay Peak is the highest point on the entire Taiho Rim Trail. I think you get just over 10,000, maybe like 10 to 10, 3, somewhere in that range. Um, so I was a little bit nervous of the snow situation. There wasn't too much of a report going out. I talked to Brandon truck rider who had sent a video and he played it down, which definitely calmed my nerves. But, um, he's also like a hardcore, like borderline FKT type of dude. So, you know, you have to take it with a grain of salt, like what's hardcore or what's hardcore for me might not be for him, but legitimately that section was nothing that the hardest part of that day was, it was just so cold <coughs> and windy and the, tr- the views on that last what do we do? 15 miles in the Tahoe meadows were some of the best of Lake Tahoe of the entire trail. Like if somebody wanted to go out and pick out a day hike, uh, the 15 miles approaching, um, Tahoe meadows going clockwise was really, really cool, but we didn't, it was so cold. We couldn't sit down and like really take anything in. You had to keep moving to stay warm. Would you do it at the same time of year if you were to redo it, or would you have done it later to make it less cold? I think this year was weird. I think it was unusually cold. I, I think at least the, the last couple of years when I've been paying t- attention to it, June has been incredibly, or not incredibly hot, but much hotter. Um, I think it was the the weather that I got the first couple of days is probably more indicative of what it's normally like at least in mid to late June and certainly July, August, um, the cold weather that we were getting, to my understanding of the area, I don't live there, so someone please correct me if I'm wrong, was very unseasonable. And the reason why the mountains were holding on to snow as long as they were. Um, That said, I would still do it on the earlier side. I liked the challenge of the snow. I think I might have been bored at times without it just because, you know, I've done, like there, there was nothing hard about the hike even with the snow, aside from that one point where it was maybe a little too hard, uh, there was nothing that was that challenging. I, I thought overall it was on the simpler side compared to other things that I've done. Um, so yeah, I, I, I liked being, I liked having a little bit of snow because it kept things cooler. It made for a different challenge. It definitely eliminated any fire concern, which was the whole reason why I went as early as I did. And yeah, it was just nice to kind of be out there in somewhat of an off season. Okay. Um, bringing in another Instagram question. Now that we're back, we've done the circle back at the point that you started. How do you get to slash from the trail? Like where'd you fly into? What did you do? Yeah. So you have a college roommate live right outside of Reno Good. and basically like canceled their life for a week to cater to you. So you wrote about a shuttle. Didn't you? 
No. Maybe there's a sh there might be a shuttle question. Um, I so I honestly can't speak to this because I didn't look into it all that much because all of the transportation logistics were covered. Uh, shout out Alex again. Thank you for bending over backwards to make this hike easy for me. But um, right. yeah, the only public transit that I took was that Uber out of Echo Lake. Otherwise, everything was uh, handled. But this hike is popular enough that I know that, that there are things. That I, I'm pretty sure there's a shuttle that goes from the Reno airport to probably Tahoe Meadows. There's only so many uh, There's only so many places where you can even approach Lake Tahoe. So, like, a lot of them coincide with the major trailheads. Um, if you're going after the snow is melted, I'd say there's no real advantage to where you start or which direction you hike. Like maybe if you want to save a certain section for last, like a lot of people talk about saving desolation wilderness for last. And if you do cool. Um, I, I personally for the Tahoe rim trail, I was more excited to see Lake Tahoe. Um, maybe part of that is because I had seen desolation wilderness, but overall I thought the scope of the second largest lake in the country to be more exciting than desolation wilderness. So I could, you could make a good argument for a lot of other places to be where you end. And honestly, I w you could make a good argument for where I ended going clockwise to be a good place to end because that had some really cool views of Lake Tahoe. It just happened to be that it was so fucking cold that it's hard to appreciate. Yeah, I'm, I read the first part of the answer to this and not the second. The question was, if you flew into Reno, how did you get to the trail? And the part I read said, I found a $150 shuttle. And the part I didn't read said, and I'm not interested in paying that much. Oh. Um, so yeah, I don't know that. where that came from because I didn't write that. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, maybe that's oh, part of the question. That was maybe the question the asker question. Asked. Okay, that makes sense uh, now. Okay. Um, I so, would guess that's probably the going rate, just because Lake Tahoe is an expensive area. It takes like, like an hour to drive from Reno too. Yeah. It, it, maybe there's cheaper options. I don't know. I, I this is an area where I did zero research. Nice. Um, so okay, now that we've done our little loop. Um, where does it list on the rank of shorter through hikes you've done? Um, so for hikes where you do circumnavigating a large thing, I still way prefer the Wonderland Trail just in terms of beauty. Uh, Wonderland Trail is magic. It's really, really, really cool. Uh, logistically much tougher. Um, and I think the weather is more hit or miss, obviously that part of the country. Aside from that, I'm trying to think, like, I haven't done too many. I did the long trail, which is similar-ish, 170 versus 270 miles. Uh, they're so different, it's hard to compare. We've done the Trans-Catalina Trail. I've done the Colorado Trail. Haven't you dabbled the Arizona Trail? No. Oh. This kind of reaffirmed the, that I don't know if I want to do all the areas where there was heavy exposure. I, I've had enough skin cancer. I don't want... A, to just be thinking about cooking in the sun. And yeah, I don't we're wanna, gingers. Yeah, I don't want to be one of those goofballs that wears like long sleeve everything and gloves and like big ass. Carry your umbrella. Yeah. Um, all right. Would you recommend the Tahoe Rim Trail for first time long distance hikers? Yeah, I think it's a good beginner trail for sure. Um, the terrain is approachable. You can have access to town at pretty much every day or every other day, depending on your pace. Um, 
really good cell service, which is something I was having trouble finding a straight answer to online anywhere. So breaking news, uh, being around Lake Tahoe, you have good cell service. Well, it's so touristy, right? So it kind of does make sense. Yeah, there's times where, especially like on the PCT side, where you don't have line of sight to the lake. Pretty much anytime you had line of sight to the lake, not always true, but most of the time you had cell service. Um, but I, if I had to guesstimate, I had service 60 ish percent of the time which like is way more than you need because even if you just get it at high points on the trail it's enough for you to be able to check and be like still alive and check back out okay um that's good to know too and you had verizon verizon yeah maybe i did see some notes on like the pct section about being like at&t has crap service and i had fine service um but typically verizon is better than at&t Cool, cool, cool. Um, well, that does it for like the in order questions, but we do have some Instagram questions that are off topic from anything we've touched on. So okay. I will just go uh, on tangents here. Okay. Um, how is this experience different now that you are a father? Did it change your level of enjoyment? Um, yeah, I, that's a good question. More and less. Uh, I appreciated it more because I backpack less, but I definitely missed my son by the end of it and was very excited to see him. Um, I don't I don't think I could do something too much longer than that right now. Maybe when he's older and he's like kind of a p- bigger pain in the ass. But um, yeah, like a week-ish was, it was, I was definitely missing him quite a bit. Is that your first dadcation? Dadbatical? Dadbatical, yeah, yeah, that's what they were called. Uh, the, I guess the other time was when we went to Trail Days. That was about a week also, True. a little bit less than a week. Um, and I guess we did Wisconsin last year. So was like the I, I'm an absent father. Yeah, so you should probably be around more. Yeah. Happy Father's Day, by the way. Yeah. Um, did where was I gonna go with that one in my head? Oh, when you got to like the snowy, icy parts, and you were like, ah, you could probably fuck yourself up if you fell down this. Did your like thought process change with young Leo at home? I'm just pretty risk averse in general. I don't know if that really impacted it whatsoever. Um, but like ultimately the riskiest part of the trail, I still went across and made potentially the dumb decision, but uh, you know, here to tell about it. All right. Um, is it worth traveling across the country to hike the TRT for someone on the East Coast? I would say very much depends. If you can like figure out the permits for either the JMT or the Wonderland Trail, I would I would rank both those trails higher than this one in terms of just sheer beauty. However, this being so logistically easy, like if you flubbed the permit situation or you just want something with a little bit more of a safety net, like you have access to town all the time, um, this trail provides both of those and it's still really pretty. Like I don't want to underplay how nice it is. It is really nice, but um, you know, like the high, high Sierra is nicer. I personally prefer Mount Rainier, um, but this trail was very good. Um, what it, do you have any regrets or things you would have done differently that we have not touched on yet? Um, did I put a note here? I feel like I did, but I can't maybe remember. start two weeks later and not use body glide. Okay. Uh, if you don't want to deal with the snow, I, I just picked my start date, I think, way too early. I, I wish I maybe would have planned it a little bit later. Um, but that being said, having hiked it in the snow, again, aside from that one stretch, I liked having that little bit of a challenge associated with the trail. 
since I've done enough backpacking in dry conditions. And yeah, fuck the body glide. I'm getting rid of that shit. It is a, entirely the biggest, not only a waste, but a detriment. All right. Um, lots of hate for body glide. Yeah. They're, uh, they're never sponsoring this podcast. Oh, that'd be so funny if they did, though. <laughs> um, and then I know if you were paying attention, you probably got the answer to this in previous to this. But just a quick question. How long was your longest food carry? Food carry uh, from Tahoe Meadows to South Lake. I had budgeted that as four days, so about 20 miles per day. But I basically got there in a hair over three um, that said, you could do it way easier than that. Um, like I, I hiked to that general store on day two at Kingsbury and, oh, I actually did grab a meal in town there, like not town, like a little resort area. Um, but yeah, you can get into Incline Village. You can get into South Lake Tahoe from several spots. You walk right into Tahoe City. Uh, you could get into Kings Beach. I don't know why you do that over Incline Village. Uh, but yeah, you can get into town. I, I would imagine the hitches are somewhat easy pretty much from all of those locations. Nice. Um, did you have knee pain? And if so, how did you alleviate it? Knees are great. It, the way my body held up was definitely the thing I was most concerned about going into this. And uh, A plus 100%. I couldn't have been happier with how that went. And did you have any trouble navigating? No. Far out makes this stuff so brainless. It's a little bit disappointing. Like I do, there there was part of me that, like when we did the Trans Catalina Trail, and I was just relying on a map. Uh, there's a little bit of thought that goes into like it's a little bit of a puzzle. Um, that said, I could have brought maps and done it that way, and I didn't because sometimes it's sometimes or maybe all the time it's nicer to just keep things as easy as possible there were also a lot of points where there were like there's a ton of trails in this area lots of hiking lots of trailheads um where and some of the signage was not very good where i potentially could see someone taking the wrong fork and getting into a place that they don't want to be having something like far out or any of the other gps apps definitely saves you from that situation so um, you know, I can talk about longing for the old days, uh, but in reality, I'm probably just going to be using far out whenever there's that option available. Okay. Um, and then this one's in all caps. Uh, we apparently got lots of requests for poop stories. <clears throat> um, yeah, I wish I had something awesome for you. Unfortunately, for as much of the chafing thing that went wrong, I don't have that for poop. I will say the campsite that I had the night before I went into South Lake was right next to a big patch of snow. And I woke up the morning constitution struck and, uh, relieved myself next to that patch of snow and remembered back to that hike where I wiped with snow and re relived the good old days. And that is invigorating. I will tell you there's no better wipe tool than some snow. Yeah. I feel like that'll definitely wake you up. Um, it, it is, especially in a cold morning. Yeah. That's some Wim Hof stuff right there. Uh, it also gave me a great patent pending. I don't know if I should say it now or if I should save this for a patent pending. Uh, we only have one question left, so that could just be our, we can plug a little segment in before our wrap-up question. A, a mini segment? Yeah. So it dawned on me that potentially the best way to ever wipe your butt is glissading. Ah, is that LNT? 
Definitely not. Okay. Um, but like, would you? Mm, but no, maybe but maybe the snow that, would melt and then. Wouldn't that chafe your butt? Like, what if you get the like rough, icy parts that are just like scratching as you get speed? You might have to be particular about the consistency of the snow that you choose. But um, I'll say wiping with the snow was not problematic for me whatsoever. Maybe, Can you glissade on powder though? Well, you're not ever going to really see powder in a, like a summer backpacking context, but it could be soft enough where it's more like snow coney. Mm. But it also would depend on the pitch, which would dictate your speed. But um, I could just see like a 30-yard stretch of snow going right up. Through the butt? Yeah. Nice little trail that you're leaving. <sighs> like it starts off very brown and starts like it's like a, gradient. It's like a little but... snail, how they leave that trail behind them. Exactly. What would you say would be like the ideal like MPH to be going down this glissade at? I'd want to be snow wiping my ass somewhere at like the five to seven mile per hour range. Okay, like a gentle. Yeah. 30 miles per hour would be like. You'd tear the skin off your butthole. But it would be like an X Games event. Yeah, that would. Oh, our next. Okay, next um, trail days, we will get a fake snow machine. Build a ramp. And we'll build like a. Like, yeah, like how they make the fake ski mountains when there's not enough snow. Yeah. Um, and then we will have a speed ice wiping, glissading contest. I don't think I've ever been more in on an idea in my All life. All right, perfect. We just have to work out the logistics there of yeah. it being in the middle of the summer and really hot. But Leah, start I taking notes. Yeah, I don't see why we couldn't. Um, best spot that you shit in was another question. Nah, I, like the no next quabs. next to the snow. Um, I don't ever have the foresight to like plan a poop. It's always like I have one minute before shit is rocking, rocketing out of my body. Fair. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's how I am too, but. Again, you hear about poivs, which are poops with a view, and sometimes people wonder. Yeah. If you've got that kind of planning and foresight, more power to you. Mine's like, sometimes I'm running out of my tent in the morning. Other times, like, I, I'm pooping right right now. It's happening. Um, Wrap-up question. What is the next hike for a now dad, a.k.a. what will be the next frequently canceled slash delayed mm, hike? Great question. I, well, so I, I planted the timberline seed. I think that's still turning into some kind of a plant. That one's so short that it, I could do it without really ruffling the family feather too much. Uh, so maybe I'll go with that. I'll answer that question with an answer that has nothing to do with this, but um, it looks like we're not going to PCT days. Yes, we did tease that for nothing. Yeah. Uh, so potentially I'm still on the hook for this fucking bike race and i went on a about three hour bike ride today and just with how proximate that ride was to this backpacking trip just reaffirmed how much more how much better backpacking is than riding a bike fuck that yeah talk about uh inner butt hurt um just i i enjoy it so much less than i do backpacking like there was no moment on trail where i was as down as i was for most of the ride on today well i'm looking forward to your recap on that um should we give them some info on why we're not going to pct days that way we don't just leave them high and dry wondering if we just lost interest uh financially it didn't work out we'll just yes. leave it at that okay that's a good one um that's it for the trt questions cool before jumping into today's segments, it's time to check in with Backpacker Radio sponsorship winner, MG. MG chimes in with a pair of recordings here. The first, an emotional update from the night before leaving for the trail, and the second being from the morning after summoning Katahdin. Here they are. 
I'm in Millinocket, Maine right now, sitting on a park bench across from the AT Lodge, um, which is really cool because they provide shuttle service from Medway and they have a whole upstairs with about 12 beds. Um, so I got to meet a few other hikers that are summiting Katahdin with me and hopefully through hike the entire AT with me, Sobo. Um, so that's been cool to get to know people. I'm feeling much better than I was this morning. I think I was bottling up a lot of feelings that, um, and a lot of tears uh, that I've been holding back over the past few months. Um, so I was an emotional wreck this morning saying goodbye to my partner and then last night saying goodbye to my friends and my family. Um, but as I get closer to the AT Lodge and getting closer to uh, starting this hike, I think I've been just feeling more excited. Um, it also hasn't really hit me that I'm doing this thing. I, I don't know if it's denial or what, but um, I have these moments where I think I'm going to be home next week at home and hanging out with my friends again, seeing my family, but that's not the case. I have to constantly remind myself that I'm out here, I'm doing this thing, and it'll be, take about five to six months. So um, I'm just taking it day by day. I think right now I'm just going through the motions, um, but I am looking forward to tomorrow. I'm super excited. I've prepared for a long time, so I'm just happy that I'm finally doing it. Hello, it's the morning after summiting Katahdin, and I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling achy and sore, but I think that was expected after that strenuous hike, or rock climb rather. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. It was like I was walking into a mystical forest, and I thought maybe I'd see some fairies and goblins pop out. It was like something out of a storybook. Um, it was really beautiful, in like an eerie, creepy kind of way, um, but I enjoyed it. And then after the tree line, it was rock climbing. It was legitimate rock climbing. I had to find crevices and parts of a rock. I had to pull myself up, essentially the whole way up to Katahdin um, to summit. And it was, um, it was an experience. <laughs> I got up there in one piece, I got down in one piece, it was kind of foggy on the way down, there wasn't much of a view, there were moments where clouds would pass by, you get to see the view, but really, I, I didn't really want to see much on the way down, just because it would freak me out to know, to know how high up I was um, climbing down those rocks. But um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was fun, I had a really good time doing that. And then I got back to a lean-to where I stayed with a couple people I met and they were super chill. So it's already nice to meet people. Um, and now I'm just heading out of Baxter State Park. It's about 10 miles and then um, into the 100-mile wilderness. And I'm going to go about three miles in, stay at a lean-to again. Um, maybe I'll pitch a tent depending on the weather. I want to make this as easy and smooth sailing as possible. Um, so I'm not going to plan too much ahead, just kind of listen to my body, listen to what, you know, whatever my gut's telling me to do. And um, yeah, day two. You could toss your gear list in as Trek propaganda because we're going to be linking that anyway. Oh, sure. Yeah, great. I like that. Uh, gear list. Haven't written this yet, but we'll... Um, we talked about the Hoka Speed Goats. I think this was the Model 5. It's the newest model. I got the wides because I have disgusting feet. Leah, look at them. Stare them directly in the eye. Okay. Leah just threw up. <laughs> uh, 
I Montbell rain jacket was good. I'll get you the model when I have it. Um, the down jacket that I used is a, a rab something or other. Again, the models will help this. Uh, this is one of those where like full disclosure, I would never pay for it cause it's so expensive. But like, if you're, if you're a bougie backpacker, you've got like a six figure income and you like it to go on a couple tra trails per platinum year. Platinum hiking is what we learned it's called. Yeah. This would be the platinum jacket. I think arguably I used the one for the first time. I think I've only ever used the two prior to this. No, that's not true. I used the one on, uh, the Lone Star trail, which was so much fun. Uh, I think they, if, if memory serves, they have reduced the size on just like the tent portion itself. Like there's no way I could have gotten two bodies in there. Certainly not two Zach size bodies. What does reducing the size in the tent portion pertain to since it's all a tent? Well, so, I mean, the vestibule space is still really big, oh, okay. but like the, in the actual like tent portion, the, the body of it was, uh, narrower than I remember, but my memory could just be getting tossed by the fact that I've spent so much time in the two, which is like a palace. Maybe you're wider than you remember. I mean, certainly that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I prompt that mostly because you thought it was big enough that you could fit two people in there. Oh, I did that first night. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> think I could have even fit two chances in there if I'm being Dang. Okay, yeah. so they shrunk. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's. I'm guessing if they shrunk it, I should probably reach out and figure that out. I'm guessing they do that to save weight. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's just like a constant weight competition between all of them. Actually, I can look up. Uh, I'll look up my 2017 lighter pack and tell you how much mine weighed. You tell me how much yours weighed. Yeah. So uh, it says exactly 503 grams for people that don't do that. Don't do grams. 17.7 ounces. Which is really light. If you can get a tent around a pound, you're doing awesome. 17.7 ounces, you said? Yeah. Okay. Um, mine was 19.7 ounces. Okay. So maybe they're trying to compete with more so with the other, like, super UL one-person tents. Uh, but to be honest with you, I wouldn't opt for the larger version. I, I went as light as I could in many areas. Uh, so I was happy to have the reduced weight, but maybe just something to factor in if you're looking for a spacious one-person tent. The vestibule, the vestibule is huge. Like I could get all my gear in there, no problem. Way more space than like my Nemo or Big Agnes tent. But the tent inside part was a little bit tight, but it wasn't problematic at all. Just something to note. Yeah, I feel like dropping two ounces over five years is a. It's like losing weight healthily. Yeah, it's a good evolu healthy evolution. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else super interesting gear wise? Not really. Uh, I would not use that op sack that I used as, as impressed as I was by it. The thing is like a body bag. It is ridiculous, but um, not good for backpacking shape really in any regard. Could you use it as like a backpack liner and then just put all of your stuff in that? Not, not that big. And the issue is just the shape itself. Like it's, it's this wide and this long. Like yeah. it's not... It's not deep enough to be that. I've been using the X-Lite on pretty much every backpacking trip. Still holding air. And I've used this one now for many hundreds of miles. I feel like it's probably going to go at any moment. It's a unicorn. Yeah. Um, uh, I trained a lot in the Point Six socks, and this was the first, like, real backpacking I'd done in them. And they did great. Good. Um, yeah. Merino stuff does good. Yeah. I, maybe something else will come to me at the end of this. But I'm sure I'll have 
more thoughtful insights when I actually get to put pen on paper. But just going off the top of my head, that's what I got. All right, Trek Propaganda, go check that out. Um, and then I'll let you take the next one. Uh, I think, should we skip this one? Sure. Okay. Um, well, I, I do like this one, and I'm being uh, biased here because I think this was my suggestion, but I didn't actually prepare for it, and I don't. I can't actually think of anything off the top of my head. All right, Trek Propaganda, get Zach's, Zach's gear list. Yeah. Almost called you Gak. Gak. Um, all right. Which triple... was very fun when I was a kid. Gak. Yeah. Oh, this is definitely a generational gap thing here. What's a gak? Oh, is it like puking? Like a gak? Gak was the like green goo that they dumped on people in Nickelodeon. Um. Right. I thought that was slime. Slime, oh. slime time live. Then gak was a different type of. Yeah. This is gak. It's like green, like neon green play-doh uh, okay. kind of, but like a softer substance. I thought it was a Nickelodeon thing, but maybe not. Well, it's definitely not the liquid slime, but that's it's like yeah. a it's like a play-doh, but it's green and less dough. Yeah, much much softer, kind of like firm vomit. Good. But gak was the all the rage when I was like 8 120 years ago. Okay. Well, I mean, fitting nickname firm vomit. Yeah. Um Triple Crown. Triple Crown. Of... Oh, no, this is the one I wanted to skip. Oh, you didn't want to skip your trap your trek propaganda? Uh, no, we'll, we'll do the Trek propaganda. Even this is Trek propaganda part two, uh, one written by our very trusty editor, Kelly Floro. Um, more sad news. I feel like there's been a lot this year. I don't know if I kind of feel that too. I think this has just been a weird kind of like early summer. Like the weather has been fucky all over the place. Yeah. I feel like Colorado has been more normal than what I've seen on either a, a end of the country. Otherwise. Um, I've spent a lot of time inside. Yeah. Nice. Like 72 degrees pretty consistently. Yes. Um, but this story is hiker rescued from presidential traverse on Saturday has died. A hiker who was rescued near Mount Clay in New Hampshire's presidential mountains on Saturday night has died from his injuries. Uh, reading this on June 21st, according to New Hampshire's fish and game, like something got cut off. I know that's it. Uh, the hiker has been identified as. Go on. Z Chen, XI, I'm, I apologize if I got that wrong, age 53 of Andover, Massachusetts. He was attempting the presidential traverse, a 20-plus mile high elevation hike that traverses many of the presidential range's highest peaks when he became cold and wet and was unable to continue, according to a text message he sent his wife. In that message, Chen also said he felt he would die if not rescued. According to a news release, Chen's wife called NHFG for help around 6.30 p.m. I'm not going to read this entire story. If you guys want more information on it, you can check out the link in the show notes. But um, they shared a video of the rescue team going after him. And it looks like a blizzard that you'd see in the middle of January. Like the weather is fucking outrageous. And this was in the middle of June. So just a reminder to people that if you're going to be entering into high elevation places, um, and I know like the whites has an elevation similar to what golden Colorado has, uh, but different mountain ranges have different weather patterns. The whites can be ruthless. And this is just a very clear example of that. So, Okay. Um, so the before we go into the next part, it reminded me of we have a few voicemail questions, right? Yeah, I think we're going to save that for the next one. Okay. What about this pink text? Yeah, this one. Okay. So since you had a poor showing on the poop stories, 
we're making up for it. Yes. Um, you give the intro. So this one is from our pal, PPS, Paul Paquin Seeley, who's been, you probably recognize the name from the Chuck Norris Award winners, our Patreon supporters. Uh, we had the great pleasure of meeting him at Trailblazers. Was he at the hiker meetup too? Yes. Okay. Uh, oh, now I don't remember. I remember Andrew Austin McDaniel, who is not one person. Yeah. Um, but will always be in my brain. Yeah. But he was at, but Paul was at Trail Days. For sure. Um, very interesting cat. And he had mentioned that he had a really good poop story and he sent it to us. And this is going to be the first time that I hear it. Have you heard this already? No, because my phone volume broke when he sent it to me. Oh, nice. So I had left it on unread so that I wouldn't forget about it. Cool. Well, we're going to get the first listen here. All right. What's up, Backpacker Radio? It's your boy, Paul Pac-Man Seeley. Just wanted to say I had a fantastic time at Trail Days, and I really loved the uh, the vibe that y'all brought to the booth. I had a bunch of friends there that had a great time with you guys. All the events that I got to see were really, really entertaining. And meeting y'all and uh, getting uh, copies of your, your, your books was just, it was fantastic, man. It was the highlight of my, uh, of my trip. It was pretty much the entire reason that I came out there was because I heard you guys were coming down. So definitely love what y'all are doing. Keep it up. It's been uh, a big comfort for me over the years, listening to all the uh, all the stories and having all the laughter. So thank you guys so much. Uh, but yeah, man, I did promise you a poop story. I was listening to the episode today and you guys called me out. I was just sitting here cracking up. I had completely forgotten that I told you I was going to send you that. Uh, so here we go, man. The setting is tw- uh, 2018. It's like mid-September, I think it was like September like 13th or 14th or somewhere around in there where I started my hike. I decided to leave the hippie commune and instead of driving, I decided to hit the Appalachian Trail and walk south. So I got on a rockfish gap. I didn't check the weather. Little did I know there's a hurricane coming through. I think it was Hurricane Florence. So Hurricane Florence absolutely pummels me. There's trees coming down. It's it's nuts, man. I, I ended up staying at the Paul C. Wolf Shelter for two days and three nights because the weather was just so terrible. And then once the rain stopped, the creek that was ahead of us southbound, that's you know normally a creek crossing, was just this raging flood of debris and it just it just wasn't you know, it wasn't ideal. So I'm running low on food. Decided to keep pushing south and try to get to Montebello and get a resupply. Um, and just had a terrible time, man. For some reason, the, like, the trail did not want me to be out there. Something was, the juju was wrong. I got rushed by a black bear uh, after I got off, like just just before you get off the Mar Haw Trail. Mar Haw Trail. And... Um, got rushed by a black bear so my nerves are shot i've got very very little food so i'm running on on low calories and i've got the priest ahead of me southbound which is not an easy hike and you know i'm trudging through this thing and when i was you know when i was younger i got really bad cramps in my in my body mainly in my legs and it did happen to me pretty often when i hiked for my first long distance trip in, in 2016. So I'm halfway through the priest and I'm hungry. I'm tired. My nerves are shot. And I start feeling one of these cramps coming on. And I'm just like, man, you gotta be kidding me. There's no good place to sit down. So all these just tight switchbacks and I'm like, all right, what am I going to do? So I put my headphones in and 
you know, I start blasting some some music. I think it was some old school Avenged Sevenfold or something like that. And uh, I'm walking, jamming out. I'm trying to kind of kind of stretch this leg out and walk this cramp out so I don't lock up. And I feel a thwack on my boot. You know, I thought I stepped on a stick or something. I look down and kick the stick out of my way. And there's a four-foot rattlesnake that's coiled back, ready to strike again. And I am just... I it, it I can't even really describe the feeling, man. It was just like electricity locked through my entire body. Every muscle in my body locked up. And uh, <laughs> I've had some seriously drunk days in my life. I've had some really bad stomach bugs. I've had Giardia. I had Noro. I have never shit myself. I lost it, man. And my diet, you know, was, you know I had barely any food. <laughs> so all I had left was a couple packs of ramen and mashed potatoes. So it was not pleasant. And not only did I shit myself terribly, and it's like <laughs> running down the back of my legs. I don't wear underwear, so it's just like spraying out my shorts. <laughs> and not only not only did I, did I shit my pants, but that leg cramp that I was trying to fight locked in. So now I am on the ground. <laughs> And I'm like seven feet away from this pissed off rattlesnake covered in shit, <laughs> fell in my shit. And now I'm trying to like scoot myself away from this rattlesnake as, as, as best I can while like writhing in agony. Uh, so, you know, long story short, I, I unclip my pack, deal with the cramp, take my shorts off, use them to clean up. Sorry, leave no trace, but I I buried them right there on the you know next to the trail as deep as I possibly could you know with my little with my little deuce of spades, and uh, you know using my trekking pole to help out, and you know put on my my spare pair of like all I had left was this pair of uh, of like gray um, spandex, <laughs> which is not a good look for me without without shorts, man. It was terrible. So, yeah, man, it was horrible. So I'm halfway up the priest. I thought for a second that I'd gotten bitten by a rattlesnake. Luckily, like, you know, there's two holes in my boot with this, like, cloud, you know, the cloudy yellow venom running down my boot. You know, had I been wearing ultras or something like that, I would not be here to tell you this interview. I was so dehydrated and malnourished and exhausted that that rattlesnake bite Seeing as it, you know, injected some venom definitely would have taken me off, you know, off the map. Uh, so I got, I got really lucky and, you know, was able to get up after about, you know, 15 minutes of, of breathing through this leg cramp and limp, <laughs> limp my sorry ass up the trail. Um, and I mean, it just, it just kept going on the way down to Montebello. I'm coming down off a spy rock and I slip and hyperextend my knee. And so I'm like, man, I'm, I'm done. I tapped out. I, I limped down into Montebello. Uh, luckily there was a day hiker that was down in the parking lot down there next to the fish hatcheries, uh, who saw me (laughs) like tying my knee up and putting my water bladder on it to try to cool it down and like doing the Peter Griffin on the side of the trail (laughs) and, and, was nice enough to to drive me down to the general store. And I'm like, man, I don't know if you want me to get in your car. I was recently covered in my own shit. And he's just like, what? Like, I don't know if I want to know the story. He's a really cool guy. Shout out to him. 
Uh, so I got dropped off at the Malabella General Store, ate as much of their ridiculously expensive food as I possibly could, bought new clothes in their shop, and uh, convinced them to let me camp out at one of the sites for a reduced price, uh, and called my mother, man. She was, she's my savior. She came out and picked me up and, uh, and nursed me back to health. And that was actually when I decided to get my wilderness first responder. You know, as I'm nursing this knee back to health, I'm like, man, I, if I'm going to be out here and doing this kind of thing, I, I need to at least know what I'm doing. <clears throat> so yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my poop story. Uh, that is the one and only poop story that I have uh, so far, but I'm sure that over the years I will acquire some new ones. Two things stand out. First is I'm like, we never get a conclusion on where this rattlesnake goes. So I'm picturing him like laying in his own shit, taking off his pants, cleaning himself up and then burying it as deep as he can. And the rattlesnake's just like sitting there like, eh, maybe a little deeper. Mm. Maybe go a little, like what's the rattlesnake doing while you're burying this thing? Just like sitting there like supervising? It's Right next to my home, asshole. Yeah, like not that whole. Yeah. Um, and then the second one is how often do you get to hear a story where someone's talking about laying in a pile of their own shit and how lucky they are? Um, <laughs> that was an interesting side by side for me. Yeah. Um, he had built up that poop story and it did not disappoint. No. The, the description, the visual of him shitting out of his shorts because he's not wearing underwear. Leah didn't get to hear the story, so she's getting the Cliff's notes from us. Uh, just I can just picture shit spraying out of like gym shorts, and that's like a South Park visual That's that made me giggle. Also, like how scared do you have to be to lose control of your butt? I haven't been there, and I hope to never be there. Same. But also I've lost control of my butt without being scared, so I'm not trying to throw him under the bus for losing control. No, I would just think you'd maybe pee yourself out of fear first. That's true. But Maybe you if you gotta go, you gotta go. Yeah. That's that was a good funny. one. Yeah. yeah, PPS. Thanks, brother. Yep. Really appreciate you. Okay, to the five star review portion of the show. This is a long one. You wanna trade off paragraphs? Sure. Uh yeah, we got a double photo screenshot. It would not all fit in one screenshot, which yeah. I I'm surprised they didn't put a character limit. Um yeah. cool. This is from Hiker Dad eighty two called The Backpacker Radio Saved My Life. Backpacker Radio is a great podcast for anyone who enjoys the outdoors, but to me, it ended up being much more than that. I was on my first multi-day solo hike, and things were going great. I spent months planning for everything I would need, but somehow overlooked a major one, pooping in the woods. This is a very poop-themed... People just associate us with poop. I take full responsibility for that. This is all you. Yeah. I had neglected the mental preparation and pre-visualization that would allow Mr. Hole, I don't think I've ever heard of it referred to That's as That's gross. To relax and do his job in the overwhelming vast expanse of nature. So there I was, several days into my trip, miles from anywhere, and feeling like my gut was, suffered, was stuffed tighter than Thanksgiving turkey. No amount of coaching Mr. Hole, I hate that, <laughs> would do the trick. I knew I was in trouble. A couple more days passed and I could no longer walk. In one last attempt to call for help, I fumbled and dropped my phone. In doing so, I must have accidentally started the podcast app, and Backpacker Radio began to play. Too exhausted, I let it play and prepared for the end. Soon, Chauncey's and Zach's witty banter and insightful comments had brought a calm over me. I also took a moment to write down some sweet discount codes in the sand just in case I made it. I'm starting to wonder if this is a fib. Uh, But it was there are many funny stories of pooping in the woods that did the trick. 
Mr. Hole must have been listening to because, well, you can guess what happened next. Sweet Relief had come in the greatest instantaneous reduction of carried weight in the history of backpacking. I finished my hike and owe a debt to Backpacker Radio I can never repay. Um, please, here's how you can repay it. Drop that from your vocabulary. Mm. We're just going to stop the Mr. Hole stuff immediately. Strong disagree. Yeah. Uh, you need to bring Mr. Hole to every party that you go to. It and sounds like a, like a, like a kid stuffed animal. Yeah. I, I think as South Park, uh, Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo. Yeah. That would definitely be one of his accomplices. Yeah. That's, that would be where Mr. Hanky used to live. He moved out of Mr. Hole, um, back in the eighties when rent was outrageous. Um, it does make me think that like maybe we should toss in like an occasional sesh like a, a segment that's like a meditative segment where we just like say nice things to like help someone poop in the woods. Soothe people's holes. Yeah. So like okay, if you guys like if you're on the trail now and you gotta go, here's a good time to start looking for a spot mm-hmm. and just feel it, you know, getting ready in you and you know, just talk them through it. Healing your hole with badger and chance. Yeah. It actually sounds good. And now it's time for healing your hole. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, maybe save this next part for the next time that you have to take an outdoor dump and uh, Chance and I will coach you. Yes. You can do this, buddy. I believe in you. Just crouch and let your mind free itself. Close your eyes and picture a giant mudslide. No one is anywhere near you. You will not see a soul. It doesn't matter how much fiber you had or Doritos or Mountain Dew. None of that matters. Everything is going to exit your body at a terrible velocity. You are in the prime position for this. And if you've never done it before and it's your first time, it's going to be very enjoyable in a surprising way. Don't forget to look up and enjoy the view. Poiv. Badger. There you go. That was fun. Yeah, that was nice. (laughs) Tune in next time. Leah's still here. (laughs) Uh, A super big thank you to our Chuck Norris Award winners on Patreon. That is Andrew, Austin McDaniel, Jason Lawrence, Christopher Marshburn, Sawyer Products, Brad and Blair from 13 Adventures, Patrick Cianciallo, Paul Pacman-Seeley, Matt Sukup, Jason Snaylor. Barely know her. And Greg Mack. And cheese. Oh, nice. (laughs) That was good. little improv. Okay. That's your thing, Greg. Uh, you can follow us on social at Backpacker Radio on Instagram and TikTok at Backpacker Pod on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Backpacker. Is saying Facebook.com Backpacker Radio the stupidest thing? Like, do people type so. in URLs? No. Just search Backpacker Radio and any of these places. Yeah, and just if, go to the search bar. If we don't show up, we are going to fire Mara. Yes. Um, if we don't show up, take a screenshot of where we don't show up and send it in an email to podcast at the track.co. Subject line Mara's fired. Yeah. Um, and I'm saying Mara explicitly because uh, I, when I met Kara, Rachel's friend, uh-huh. my only parting message for her was just to tell her that we don't like Rachel. No, what did I oh. say? That she's fired? I said something along those lines. So we're only firing Mara this time because we've already fired Rachel. Yeah. I just, we have to spread the hazing evenly across. Yeah. you got to show both of them love. Yeah. And let Leah know that you don't like her either. Yes. Uh, Leah, you're it's, fired after this episode's done if you could just leave. Yeah great uh that's it thank you so much for listening and happy hiking bye nah i did it what i did them all i did all the poops really yeah i did i did every one of them i even did one while she was wrapping up right here oh (laughs) jesus oh my god why would you do that dude 
Because poop is funny.